tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you anything if you want to make a call to us. And Leanne and Ali uh, both looking after the programme today. Now, coming up on the show this morning, Ian Bailey's death leaves unanswered questions in the Sophie Toscan de Plantier murder case. I spoke to him a, a few times over the years and we'll hear part of one of those conversations in just a little while. Uh, the weekend of protests in Ross Grey indicates ongoing issues that uh, need attention there. A listener on the responsibility of NCT centres for car breakdowns after passing the test. The government's uh, potential ban on flavoured vapes and uh, we have a conversation with a man, temporary man indeed, who appeared on First Dates Ireland and uh, promises uh, to have some interesting insights on that. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now look at the papers, as you can imagine, right across the front pages today. Coverage of the death of Ian Bailey with uh, different angles, I suppose, on his passing. The Irish Independent, uh, dominated by a photograph of uh, Ian Bailey and their headline there, will never have justice now. Also on the Indo today, a new energy player, has responded to price reductions from larger rivals by announcing a third cut to its electricity tariffs and uh, in what is seen as evidence of uh, mounting price war, you know energy, is uh, reducing its fixed rate from today. The Irish Daily Mail, and again, it's the Ian Bailey death uh, that dominates the front page. Uh, we'll never know the truth about Sophie and seemingly the family of uh, Sophie uh, Toscan de Plantier uh, have admitted that they may never know the truth about her brutal murder in the wake of suspect Ian Bailey's death yesterday, the Irish Times, and again, leading with that story. Uh, also on the front of the Times today, a government-appointed expert group has said the state could and should do a lot more to allay fears about the arrival of asylum seekers, including avoiding last-minute engagement with communities where it's planning new accommodation centres. Now, I find this absolutely amazing because this report obviously cost an absolute fortune. And they've come up with that line from it that uh, the state could and should do a lot more to allay fears. I mean, for God's sake, really? I would have done it for half the price and told them the same thing. Uh, the Irish Examiner, and again, their headline there, continue... Uh, murder probe, Sophie's family urge the Gardee. Also on the examiner uh, today, Foreign Affairs Minister Michal Martin will be pushing for the introduction of EU-wide sanctions against uh, violent Israeli settlers when he meets with uh, his counterparts in Brussels today. So that's a look at what's making headlines. Uh, do you have any commentary on any of those headlines? We'd love to hear from you. 83 Now, the man who has long been synonymous with the death of Sophie Toscan du Plantier, Ian Bailey, has died at the age of 66. He died yesterday after collapsing on the street in Bantry. He was found guilty by French authorities of the murder 
of Sophie. And uh, the former journalist uh, solicitor Frank Buttermer uh, described his death as shocking and saddening, saying it's the end of an era where the justice system in Ireland is concerned. Now, a cold case review of the French woman's killing is continuing. I spoke to Ian Bailey on the show a number of times, indeed, over the years, and he continued to uh, maintain his innocence. Um, here's a piece from an interview I did with him in 2017. Can I ask you, did you kill Madame Duplantier? No, no, I have nothing to do with this, and I know that, and I, I believe the guards actually know that as well. But no, I didn't. The people of Skull, in terms of how they react to Ian, has that has that changed over the years? It has, indeed. Um, 20 years ago, we know this, guards went around the community basically putting terror in their hearts, telling people, have no doubt, have no doubt, it's that English so-and-so, Ian Bailey, who's murdered this woman, and he will murder again, and we know this, people told us. So they put fear into the, the hearts of the community. At the same time, they were telling members of the media, have no doubt, we know who it is, it's him. And a lot of people were, didn't know, and a lot of people bought into that false narrative and believed that story. But at the same time, and this is going about 20 years ago, there were an awful lot of people who didn't and were very supportive. Now, what I've noticed now, the, the little Kabul or group of the in the He Did It camp it is, is so shrunk. I think it possibly still exists, a few people, and I know who they are and they know, I know. I won't mention any names, but it's, I would say now, oh, it's completely different. It, and it's been... It's been incrementally different in as much that there have been many things along in the journey of this um, after the case, after the civil case there was a, a huge wave of, of support that came out of the blue and up and very supportive and just on that civil action I walked away that day um, after 64 days I'd done my best, I'd brought my, my legal team and my witnesses over we were never going to win that but the interesting thing was I didn't feel in any way defeated. And I actually felt, although I hadn't won it, that I had vindicated and brought an awful lot of what I knew and had known for many years into the public um, domain. And now, today, as a result of this case from the appeal court, we will be going back and obviously revisiting um, this matter and you came to Ireland to escape the rat race of your career in England at the time. Mm. Do you regret that? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I, no, I don't. Um, no, I don't. And I, I mean, I regret some of the things that have nothing to do with me that have gone on. Well, like, can you regret things that have nothing to do with you? I don't know if you can. They just happen. No, I don't. I'm, I, I fell in love with Ireland. And when I say the word love, I mean love. And it was something about it, something about the people. And it happened. I'm not the first person on it. I certainly won't be the last. And it's happening to a lot of people at the moment, I notice, in West Cork. People coming from America and Britain. And maybe they've come here on holiday and now they're coming here to live because it's such a beautiful place. And is that a naivety? Now, it must, might be a yeah, lovely naivety, yes. but is it a naivety? Well, in my case, there would have been a sort of, uh, what, what do they call it, rosy, rose... Rose-coloured glasses. glasses yeah. yeah. Uh, a bit, but, I mean, it is such a romantic place. And I came here to, to explore my muse, to um, explore my poetic muse, and to do jobs, any jobs I could find, and to write and write articles for newspapers. And... Um, no, I, I don't regret it at all. I, and, you know, as part of my my adventures in the first year I was here, I spent some time in County Tipperary. In fact, I actually lived in County Tipperary for a very short time um, 
with some cows in a tent. And when I came up, because I was working on the farm in County Waterford, and was not too far away at Kilmack Thomas, and I got the tent and I hitched up to the first thing, Failer. It was it the trip to tip, they called it, in, 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 in Thurlis in 1991, and had uh, three very memorable, wonderful days and nights. And I think during that time I contributed, the equivalent I counted, £25, punts at the time, into the local economy in the form of cups of tea. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. The, the, the perpetrator of the murder, I mean, I'm really interested to know to know your reaction to this. The perpetrator of the murder obviously has gotten away with murder. Do, do you, do you see know. that person as being extremely intelligent, extremely bright, cunning or just lucky? I mean, on that point... All I know is I have nothing to do with it. So if you accept my um, side, who did? Well, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, was it from France? Was it a local person? What was the motive? Was there a motive? Um, I really don't know. And, I, you know, I can't say. I, I'd be guessing and I, I don't do right. that. So. But you must have, particularly in the early years, you must have thought deeply about that. Well, I, I, I still do. I mean, it, it would be wonderful here. I mean, who did it? I mean, you've got to take a number of factors into consideration. One, her relationship with her husband. And I don't want to speak ill of the, the, the dead. I mean, he's passed away. But there, were, there was definitely something going on. And they were both having affairs left, right and centre. There's no doubt about that. And I don't wish to, you know, defame them. But they had an open marriage. And many French people apparently do. And maybe there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, you, you know, it, there were so many... Her place where she lived, it's very, very, very isolated. I mean, I... I, I I, I had a rough idea where it was, but that you wouldn't find it normally. So, in other words, that indicates to me that whoever it was who, who was responsible had knowledge of that and knowledge of the place. So, I don't know. I always felt myself, and if it was just a gut feeling, I always believed it had a French connection, and I still do. Um, having said that, I, I can't see it necessarily... I don't think it'll ever be solved. I would not be nice, but I don't think so. From a conversation I had with uh, Ian Bailey back in uh, 2017, now that interview was set up for me by uh, Trudy Lawler herself and her husband Billy had met Ian Bailey at uh, the Writers' Week in uh, Listowel, chatted to, to him and said we'd be interested in talking. So myself and Trudy trundled off to uh, Dublin to uh, to meet him. And it was a kind of a surreal meeting in an awful lot of ways because I had seen him on TV, obviously, uh, over the years and all of that kind of thing. And... Um, I kind of had my mind made up about him before I met him, and then I changed my mind. But a lot of people said to me afterwards, um, you know, did he kill her? And uh, what do you think about that? And, and honestly, I don't know. I don't know. But a couple of things surprised me on the day. He was extremely charming indeed. But it was the amount of people that wanted to say hello to him because he had just come out of the High Court uh, where there was a hearing, and we had to walk up uh, along uh, by the river there around, I think it's Bachelor's Walk, is it? Uh, up to a pub where we did the uh, interview. But lots of people stopped him on the street to say hello and shake hands. It was as if we were hanging out with a, a rock star or something on uh, the day. But anyway, the West Cork journalist uh, Alex O'Sullivan has seen the long-term effects of the tragic murder and all the questions indeed surrounding the investigation in the Skull area. And Alex joins me now. Good morning, Alex. Hi, good morning. And thanks very much indeed for coming on with us uh, today. Uh, this murder happened before you were born, Alex. But, um, it did. Yeah, but obviously still resounding in, in the area. 
Well, it's it's constantly a, a, a big topic of conversation for for people who who come down here. Do you know, it's it's one of the one of the reasons people talk about West Cork. Unfortunately, because we have so many other amazing reasons to speak about us, but it is it's a hot topic indeed. Mm. And did you meet and then talk to Ian Bailey? Because you you live just down from where he had a home for a period of time. I did. I I live in Kirkhaven and he uh, lived in Dunmanus. But for a period of time, I was I lived quite close to him actually. Mm. Um, but I never no, I never had a conversation with him. I didn't. I never really wanted to. To mm. be very to be honest with you, but uh, but I, I did know of him quite well. Can you give us a sense of how he was thought of uh, locally, Alex? Well, I suppose the local consensus and leaning uh, thoughts would be that he was guilty in the murder of, of Sophie Toscan de Plantier. Um, he, I, I personally don't think he was very well liked. I know he was very well known, but he always had this uh, kind of very cocky air about him where he kind of, he really enjoyed the the limelight and mm. kind of reveled in the attention post-murder, which is horrific in, in my eyes. Um, so I know I, I, the the local thought on him wasn't, wasn't exactly positive. That's interesting because I'm not sure if you got a chance to hear that piece I played, but I mean he told me some years ago when I spoke to him that Largely, he had local support, but there was a pocket of people who believed his guilt. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, around the time of the murder and the kind of ten years post that, it, I, I was too young to really understand sure, or know anything. Yeah. But I suppose he's a he's a very well known character these days, and you know, lately he's been very involved in in local markets, and he's a a huge character with, with his craft and his poetry and things and kind of markets around Bantry and Skibreen and Skull. So a lot of people kind of know him from that. But mm. um, personally here in Crookhaven anyway, I know that the, the local thought isn't, um, isn't that of support for him. It's interesting. I also made the point that what surprised me on the day in Dublin that we met him um, so many people wanted to say hello to him as if he were some sort of a, I don't know, a movie star or a rock star or something. A celebrity, yeah. Well, I I would never have, I personally would never go down that route, but it is uh, an issue around here, you know, around where Sophie lives. He mentioned himself in that interview uh, that I just heard that she lives somewhere so isolated that you really couldn't find it. Mm. So a lot of people, they drive down and they they would stop and ask a local for directions to her house and they'd be immediately turned around and told absolutely not. You know, it's not something that we indulge in as, as locals. We don't... It's mm-hmm. it's a tragedy. It's not something that... It's not a tourist attraction. Yes. Totally, totally. But are you telling me, Alex, that people would actually drive to the area to to try and find her home so they could have a look? They would. They would, yeah. yeah unfortunately, that's the truth. Yeah. My God, it's it's incredible. What what is the feeling around the area since the announcement yesterday that that he had died? Um. Well, you know, it's it mixed mixed opinions. One one thing is that, um, I suppose I I do I really feel for Pierre Louis and the rest of Sophie's family that 
they may never now get the closure that they fought so hard for for so many years. But they, at the same time, possibly they might also have missed out on an opportunity for justice, you might say. But um, also it could, I think, possibly, mm. it could bring about um, someone who, who knew details and were too afraid to to speak up on the matter because of Ian Bailey and might now kind of think now is the right time to, to step up and... and and speak about it. That's, and a, maybe that's a very interesting. That's a very interesting take uh, that I hadn't thought about. Now that he is dead, some people may come forward at this point. Yeah, and I know he was for some people uh, a liked character, but there was definitely, I I'm sure there was some fear, you know, around the possibility that he was a murderer. You know, there was never, I I'd say, if anyone was involved um, and knew something that could affect the case uh, for him negatively, there would definitely be fear surrounding him as a person you know, and what, what could be done afterwards. It's interesting. I'm, I, I'm not sure if you've uh, read uh, the, some years ago uh, Sinead O'Connor did an interview with him and she spoke about his initial charm and then she began to see behind that charm that there was a very very angry uh, person there. I'm not sure if you're across that piece, but it's it's really worth uh, reading, Alex. Yeah, well, I'm I'm not familiar with it, but yeah. I, I do totally see her point of view. He definitely had charm and charisma, and he was very very good at his job as as a journalist. Mm. But um, but yeah, I I wouldn't. I personally held a bit of fear towards him and never would have interacted with him. That's interesting, and, that, yeah. and even as a young journalist. And your perspective would have been very interesting, but you felt you you wouldn't go and try and interview him in any way. Well, I was always kind of told not to. Mm. I I did I did have an idea too, but you know, even the interviews that I've heard of him doing, he's very good at getting his own perspective and his own opinion mm. across mm. in you know a very good journalistic fashion. But I I as a young journalist myself, I don't think I'd be able to to match that in a, in a one-on-one interview. Yeah, what I tried to do when I first met him was is that we talked about various different things, his background and one thing and another, and I sort of left it to suddenly ask him whether or not he had killed Mr. Plantier, and I was watching out for his reaction to me at that point, but he didn't react at all. It was amazing. Right. Um, I mean, the, I, I was expecting him to get angry or to to show in his in his face that he was reacting in some way. But no, it was completely passive. Now maybe he's been asked so often, maybe that's why. But it was interesting to see see how he reacted to the question. You know? Yeah. Well, that's not definitely not a part of my expertise. I wouldn't really know what that would mean to have mm. a passive reaction to a question like that. Mm. But it's it's certainly telling. Mm. It's uh, it's it says a lot, but I I don't know what, mm. you know. Um, yeah. do do you think people will still be interested in in his story? I mean, everybody's interested in Sophie's story, but Definitely. do you, do you think so? Will there still be an element of curiosity about him? Totally, totally. I I I believe you know we'll we'll definitely have a new influx of of other journalists coming down this side of the country, um, looking for for to ask questions, looking for some answers. Um, you know, they've it's the past twenty seven years there's always been 
um, people coming looking. Do you know, it's it's a murder that's been talked about for so many years and mm. it involved people who who weren't really famous and it's still such a hot topic and it's but it's unfortunate that um that it's such a, a, a devastating thing that happened in West Cork because it definitely left a horrible horrible stain on our reputation and our and on the tranquility of West Cork, you know. So um it it'll definitely bring uh, new journalists, new people looking and asking new questions, but what answers they'll get, I'm not sure. Alex, we appreciate your time today and your perspective on this as well. Thanks very much indeed for talking to us. Thank you. Not a bother. Thank, Thank you. you. Good morning Bye-bye to you. Now. That is uh, Alex O'Sullivan there, local journalist from West Cork. 22 years of age, so the murder would have happened uh, before she was born. But it's an interesting uh, dynamic and uh, angle on the story. I'm sure you'll agree. Oh eight three three double one double three double one. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, protesters gathered once again in Ross Grey over the weekend in their ongoing action against the closure of Racket Hall to facilitate the housing of international protection applicants. Hundreds turned out once again on the streets of Ross Grey on a Saturday. And Councillor Shane Lee was there and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, Fran. Good morning to your listeners. And probably just to say, Fran, from the outset, just a correction, there was more than hundreds, there was actually thousands that what gathered on Saturday. Was there indeed? R- roughly how many people, Shane? Sure, look, Fran, there was definitely up to, look, I'd be throwing a finger on it, you'd be saying mm. two or three thousand people. Was, was there indeed? Wow. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Wow. There, there was, um, it was probably one of the biggest protests that ever took place in, in, in the town of Ross Grey. And that, um, that's all the more interesting because it was a rainy day, it was a wet day, wasn't it? Yes, and and probably them, even them figures probably be even a bit deceiving, Fran, because you had a huge amount of people that obviously were in cars and, and wanting another as well, or probably would have drove behind the protest and when I got to, the, to um, Castle Street, obviously they couldn't come down with the crowds that was there. Yes. So, um, yeah, no, the, the turnout was absolutely... It was amazing to see, Fran, um, and look, I've been saying it from the outset of all of this that, you know, the people of Ross Grey were telling us as elected representatives that enough is enough, and, you know, there's things going around now, this is a way of contacting government, not by email or not by phone calls, but to show them about people power. You know, and, and I suppose I've always said a friend on your show, like, you know, when the people talk, it's time to listen. Um, they're the people that elect us there to listen to what their concerns are. And that has been coming across quite clear for us, to us for quite some time now. And what about the mood on Saturday, Shane? How has that changed over the last week or so? It's, it's, it's gone nowhere, Fran. Um, the mood is still the same. Yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 the talk is still the same. Like, while we heard about a package that's coming to the 10 districts, you know, the people of Ross are telling yeah. me that they've seen nothing yet. You know, so the mood is still the same. Like, you've seen the weather conditions that was out last night, and these people still gathered at the Racket Hall during that storm last night. That's how much it means to them. There was um, a bit of hassle out there because I, I, I saw some pieces of video up uh, where 
far right um, members indeed were were there and they were jostling and they were hassling yourself among others, Shane. What what did you make of that? Yeah, sure. Look, Fran, and I, and I had thought about this this morning to myself. You know, I suppose just one thing to be very clear with your listeners here this morning is that, like, the people that gathered on Saturday are people with genuine concerns about the future of their town, their community, and their family's future. Um, you know, and and obviously when you have something like that, you don't want people coming in hijacking it for their own agenda. Mm. Um, and you know, like the people of the town understood. They, they, they educate themselves, I suppose, around what far right and what far left is and this and that, but they were just there for themselves and their community. So people didn't engage in that type of behaviour. Um, you know, and people were coming to me and asking me about what was going on. And You know, so look, mm. listen, we've no control over who comes from, but there's one thing you can say is it was a peaceful protest, nobody engaged in any sort of behaviour, and people were saying that they weren't welcome. Mm. And it was interesting to hear some of these characters attack yourself and uh, Michael and, and Matty as well. Ah, yeah, but you're going to have that, friend. Look, and as I said, is I had I had no agenda there to listen and represent the people of my community, and as I said, the people that elect us to represent them. You know, I have no agenda listening to other propaganda or, or anyone else's agenda for that matter. Mm. You know, I my duty is to listen and 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 take that um, concern from the people and bring it into the political scene as to see then what we can do thereafter. So where are we now, Shane? Um, because is it still a case that there are just seventeen people in the hotel? Yes, there's 17 people currently in the hotel, friend, and my understanding is that the department are looking for to consider sending in more um, people this week. Now, there's no date confirmed or there's nothing confirmed as mm-hmm. of now, um, but there is the DR thinking of um, integrating more people into our community um, this week. Right, but the protest at the hotel will continue, is that is that what you're telling yes. me? Yes, yeah, so basically what's coming to us over the last number of days is, um, and you know, friend, I've been saying this in the community for quite some time. I appreciate the time and effort that goes in by volunteers because that's what we have here is volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's different committees and different groups that have set up over the over a course of time that you see, you know, you have different groups and different organisations. But I suppose the one thing I, I would like to see is that we all come together and sit around the table as, as one. And mm-hmm. that's not saying that people are not doing that, but it's, I suppose we have a movement that's happening here now and, you know, it's me very, very, very clear, friend, that anything that will come to Ross Grey will be deserved. Um, and, you know, some of the, the committees or the groups that are, have gathered in the last number of days are saying that, you know, anything that will come is because of the movement that has been happening. So, like, it's just about coming together now yes. as, as a community. And um, are you going that, to form a committee, Shane? Is that is that uh, how you're yeah, going well, to move forward yeah, with this? Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just something onto that effect, friend. But I suppose just to highlight as well, friend, that Ross Grey was one of those lucky towns. And I was, I welcomed this going back, I think it was in 2022, where we got a town regeneration, regeneration officer. Mm. Um, following that, then we set up a town team. Mm. Um, and the team then was from different backgrounds and different parts of the community. So uh, projects and different things were identified at that point in time and the town came up with a town plan. And like that's not the council's plan, that's that's the people's plan and that we've been saying that from the outset of that plan. Mm. So there's a huge amount of work has taken place already. But I suppose it's just we're gone a small bit in a different direction from that plan now. Mm. Um and, and like that plan won't cover the likes of your the lack of guardie, the lack of GPs, the lack of mental health services, the lack of say teachers if there's more people coming to town, you know, yes. the lack of classrooms. So that won't be the focus there, but they would represent it at the same time. Right, but those issues you've referenced there, Shane, I mean, is that what you're looking for now at this point? I mean, that's Gardaí, 
education, health, dentists, GPs, all yes. of that. Yes, and and fam, like to be honest, that hasn't been highlighted since today or yesterday. Mm. We've been banging sure. that drum for quite some time now, yeah. and in fairness, Deputy Lowry has raised that along with others in the doll. You know, but to think that they haven't been listening, like this is a complete reaction to the movement that has been happening into the 11th day now. You know, and, and it's sad to think that, Fran, because it distances the government and the representatives from the community. Mm. You know, and it, this has been dealt with, as I said last week to you, Fran, it has been dealt with, dealt with very wrong from the outset. You know, and there was no need to come, like Ross Graham now represents 85% of, the, of Tipperary of international protection are people that are seeking, seeking asylum. You know, and, and, and like that that's in a small community that doesn't have services to, to, to cater for that. That has always been the concern. And, and also just to not to forget, you know, the only functional hotel that has been operating in the town of Ross Grey, they removed that from the people. And as late as yesterday, friend, I seen a post going up from our local GA club, the, the Ross Grey Hurling Club, um, on about their dinner dance. Mm. And this is only the start of it now, you know, and, and they're going to go to the Tempmore Arms. And I'll just say, like, you know, I, I know Dan Ward and, and his family and I know his he's staff and, and they represent everybody very, very well and Dan is For a very sure. professional person. Yeah. So I'm not condoning anything that Dan does himself or, or, or the Tempmore Arms mm. because they have been very good to my family and very good to the community around here. I had yeah. to do with that. Yeah. But, you know, we have the people of Australia now that has a dinner dance going on in the Tempmore Arms mm. um, in March, I think it is. You know, and then we have two funerals um, happening in our community over the next few days and they have to go out of town now as well because of nowhere to go. So like while that might sound very simple to some people, like, you know, we all support each other and we all, mm. all support our businesses and our community. So this is only the start of a friend, you know, it's it, it's a very worrying time um, to think that we've lost the only function hotel in our community. And and that's that's and been a very what is case. the general thinking, particularly after Saturday, Shane, around this notion of a community hotel in 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 the middle of the town where Damer House was or the Pathé as I remember it being called. What what is the general thinking on that? Well, Fran, I put it like this to you, um, and I, I'm, I'm obviously a person of an open mind, but what I will say to you is, since that news has broken, and I've yet to have someone pick up the phone to me and say, you know, that's a fantastic idea. So, so I, it's, I, it's, it's a negative now. reaction so far, is it? Yes, absolutely. And and is that because they don't understand what Because I certainly don't understand what exactly I definitely is. don't want to understand it either, friend. And I wasn't the one that put it out there, so I don't want to be the one trying to explain it myself because I genuinely don't understand it either, friend. You know, yeah. I, I don't know where that's going. Um, you know, and there's a lot of questions to be asked in relation to when we do hear what's going on. But as I said, is look, I keep an open mind, friend. Um, but I, I, I have stood with the people since this news has broke and I will continue to listen to their concerns yes. going forward. Um, as to what their thoughts are. What I found interesting as well, Shane, I, I'm sure you were across the newspapers at the weekend, um, The the in, in terms of the coverage has changed a bit. I mean, where the people of Ross Grey very early on in the time, I mean, some awful stuff said about them altogether. It, it, the, the mood of some of the articles changing somewhat with more of an understanding, I suppose, of the people and and uh, their their protest. Yes, friend, and, and you know, I, I would say live on, on, on air here this morning, I want to thank both yourselves and your staff for, you know, the importance of local media in anything in relation to this type of stuff is hugely, hugely important. And at the protest, I was one of the speakers on Saturday, and I acknowledged both yourselves, Tip Midwest Radio, the Midland Tribune, you know, all the local um, media and radio stations that have been exceptional. Because it's not as if you're doing anything out of the ordinary. You're just giving us a fair hearing and a balanced hearing. 
you know, and, and, and other platforms then we have people that are going away. Like I had an interview during the week and to think that the interview, the person that was interviewing me was absolutely disgusting because there was an agenda. Mm-hmm. I have said it from the outset, Fran, the people that have gathered out there in the record hall since, since this news has broken are genuine, genuine families with genuine concerns. But you see, sometimes in politics, Fran, and I've said this from the outset, you know, sometimes it looks that try to belittle or betrayed or do something to make them people look bad. And to think that on Monday evening on the Tonight Show where they come out and, you know, you have TDs that never step foot inside in Ross Gray that try to belittle the people. As I said, genuine, welcoming, decent people. And that took a lot of work and effort, both I and others going on the, 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 the national airwaves or whatever the case may be, to turn that around. And, and to say that I, I understand that we did turn that around because the people showed that on Saturday. But also trying to say that, you know, sometimes that government think that, you know, they'll try to spin or turn or make... The, the backing that this has got from both nationally and internationally is absolutely amazing. The, the, the people, this is going to touch in a lot of people's communities. Um, and the support that we have got from outside of Ross Gray has been absolutely massive. And as you said, I think people have understood down at this point in time mm. that the people of Ross Gray have a genuine concern and are genuinely listening to what's being said. Yeah, because I people. think a lot of the journalism, um, they didn't seem to understand that Ross Gray had been very hospitable to hundreds and hundreds of people over, over, over the years. There was no understanding of that, do you know? Yes, and, and Fran, just to say also, like we had a guy, um, Lucas is the guy's name, I think he's Lithuanian. Like, we have been integrating people into society yeah. in Ross Gray for the last 20 years. And yeah. he spoke, he stood up and spoke on Saturday yeah. about his um, understanding and the way he was made feel welcome. You know, but also to say, from we have two big employers in Ross Gray with both the uh, Ashbourne Meat and we have the Bacon Factory. You know, so, like, we have a lot of, of that happening. And, like, there's never a bad word amongst anybody in relation to it. But, like, we've always said, and what I've always been getting on the ground was, all the people of Ross Gray were asking for was a bit of balance and a bit of fairness. And we weren't getting balance and we weren't getting fairness from government. And, like, I afforded the minister and the government an opportunity to come and meet the people of Ross And I'm not saying meeting everybody that stood at the record hall. I'm not saying that for one moment. But to come and meet them. And there is a responsibility as a minister. Because he just doesn't cover his own constituency. He's a minister. So he has an opportunity to come and meet the people and listen. And that's following on yeah. from meeting a deputation that we already had with this man, um, Fran, in, that organised by Michael Lowry. And the head of the department was at that meeting. So there was no stone left unturned at that meeting. But yes, they didn't listen. And they went along then and brought in, uh, and are going to bring in another 160 Africans to Ross Gray. Well, I found you it know, very, and, very and interesting, that announcement in the uh, newspapers today. It's on the front of the Irish Times. You know, the uh, government-appointed so-called expert group. Uh, it, it, you know, I presume this cost a fortune to to come up with this uh, piece of, uh, of research. But I mean, the line that comes out of it is that the state could do and should do a lot more to allay the fears about the arrival of asylum seekers. As I say, any of us could have told the state uh, that over the time. So I, I find that pretty amazing. But there you go. But the protest continues anyway, Shane. Yes, Frank, just, yeah, the protest continues. And Frank, just acknowledge everybody that has been there and the way the people behave themselves. But also, Frank, can I just say, like, the business people themselves, they actually closed their doors on Saturday. When you walked up through the centre of the town of Ross Gray, I can honestly say, Frank, the amount of emotion and tears running down people's eyes was frightening. There was a massive, massive, massive sense of community and community spirit. And people stood tall together. You know, and as I said, it, it, there was a clear message sent on Saturday to government and to the minister himself. 
that enough's enough, that the people of Rashway are saying enough mm. is enough. And there was you a know? very clear message that went as well to people who were trying to infiltrate uh, the people of Rasgrave and the post. That was very, very clear as well. In fact, can I play just a few seconds? of it? Can you hang on with me for a sec, Shane? Yes. I just yes, want, to, want, to, want to play this. This is from a video that was collected on Saturday. So there's Matty. Thanks for showing your colours, Matty. Yeah, I'm all right. Here's Shane. Shane Lee, thanks for showing your colours. <laughs> Maddie, why don't you speak to citizen journalists, Maddie? Maddie, do you think people who disagree with you are, uh, here's this man here, look. Go away with look, the camera. You're on the street, buddy. You're on the street. You go away. You're on the street. There's kids there. Kids. Yeah, kids. If you were your kids, you wouldn't have 600 non nationals coming into your town and, and accepting it as integration. Shane, what did you do about the 600 non-nationals coming in? Did you mind your own business? Well, there, there's a piece, uh, Shane, from some of the uh, some of the words exchanged on, on Saturday. All very unfortunate indeed, but people made themselves very clear, did they not, Shane? Yes, absolutely, Fran. And to be honest, that person in question, like, you know, like it was like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Um, you know, there was no... There was nothing there for him to be there for, bar his own agenda. Mm. And as I said, is look when you organise an event like this, obviously you have no control over who attends the event. But like, there was absolutely he had nothing to do with the event. He had nothing to do with the day. And you know, as you can see himself, he, he was going up with his base, trying to drag people into his agenda, and nobody was listening. So mm. I don't want to bring. I don't even want to discuss that around what happened because it was a massive, massive protest. And it was a very su- successful protest as well. And I just want to acknowledge and thank the people that supported it. Um, you know, it was, it was amazing. All right. Uh, Shane, great to talk to you today and thanks for your time. Thank you. Good morning thank to you. Very- you. Bye-bye, Janelle. Councillor Shane Lee speaking to us there. Let's go to uh, to Patsy now. Patsy, good morning to you. Good morning. And great to talk to you today. You you feel sorry for the local people in Ross Grey? Yeah, I do. I think it's awful. I think um, the hotel, I mean... There's just no loyalty from the owners of that hotel to the people of Ross Grey, to their staff, to anybody. Mm. Just Well, of course, they're, they're making a commercial decision and, you know, they can't really be blamed for that. If anybody's to blame, it's the government for not doing due diligence on services in the area and, and, and the like, Patsy. Oh, well, I totally agree with that as well. Yeah. But um, I see where the Falter Hotel down in Killarney um, had a piece up there this weekend yeah. stating that it would not uh, offer its premises. It was asked several times and it said because of its loyalty to the people of both Killarney and the visitors to Killarney. And of course huge you know. numbers in Killarney uh, uh, yes. at the moment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So like at least they had the loyalty, like you know what I mean? Like it's all a money thing, you know what I mean? At the end of the day and who's paying for all this? At well, the end of the day, the taxpayers are paid. That's amazing. Some of the figures came out over the weekend, Patsy. I'm not sure if you saw, but I think in the first, um, I, I think about 600 million or something was was, yeah. was spent in 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 just a short few months on accommodation. Yeah. So it's, it's a large sum of money, isn't it? It, it sure really is. And this community hotel, I mean, what is a community hotel? Yeah, what, what is your understanding hall. of that? What, what is your un- understanding? I just can't figure it out. I mean, there's a thing called a community hall. That's what yeah. I would uh, look at a community hall. But a community hotel, who's going to run, pay? Mm. You know, it's it's complete. It just goes to show like that. They know, the government knows they're so badly in the wrong. I mean, even that place in Cashel, uh, the hostel, 
I know a girl with a child. You, you're not going to you're not going to name anybody for me now. Oh no, no, I'm not going to name okay. anybody. Right? Yeah. But she was mm. put into emergency accommodation there with a new baby, mm-hmm. and she was literally pushed out the door the week before this was being handed over. Right. In cattle, just out, and that was it. Had no what, place to go. Where do you think it's all going to? to end, do you think? Where Ah, oh, I just think it's it's I think it's just dreadful. I think I feel sorry for some of the people, obviously those children and everything mm. that had to be brought in like that. That was yeah. disgraceful. Yeah. Um that should never have happened. Um and it's making us look so racist. I'm angry. People are just so angry I think with this government. Um but mm. unfortunately I do feel sorry for some of the people coming in and some of the people that are here because it's turning on, you know, the anger is turning on some of uh, people that are probably even working here. I know I've seen people in Dublin, they're afraid to walk the streets, they're working in the hospitals and everything like that because of... Um, the, these are people race. from overseas who, who are here who are working here, in yeah, living jobs. and working. Yeah, but yeah. they're scared now, you know what I mean? They're so, scared of local people, you're saying, of Irish people. Yes, yeah, and, yeah. Being... Uh, uh, abuses on the streets of them and you know all this just mm. it's terrible really and how how do you feel about the name calling that went on where, where Ross Gray people were concerned I mean some of the journalism around this I thought was really unfortunate oh yeah that yeah. was awful I mean like I looked at a video and I saw where the um, what was it the public order unit yes like when they started pushing the people back Mm. It did sound like that there were people were screaming at the poor people that were coming into the hotel, but in actual fact, it was because people were being pushed onto the ground yeah. and trampled on, and there was children in buggies, and it was all that commotion. I just think it was so badly handled by oh, everybody there, like the police, the guards. There was no, they should have like had communication beforehand, say, look, there's women and children on this bus, or brought them in around the back. They should not have brought them in through that at all. All right, Patsy, great to talk to you today. We appreciate you coming on with me. Thank you very much, Nida, for that. Uh, 083 311 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Now, there's a bit of speculation that in the event of a united Ireland, um, what would happen uh, where the Commonwealth is concerned? And is there a possibility that uh, the united Ireland would become part of the Commonwealth? Well, according to a recent poll, 51% of voters in the Republic remain hostile towards the Commonwealth, including 26%, uh, whose view is very, very negative indeed. Uh, Just 14% have a positive view and the reasons behind the hostility I suppose uh, could vary. Um, Some potential factors could include historical uh, grievances and uh, the like and we put it out there as to what you think of this and Peter Ryan is a a regular contributor to the programme and uh, joins me now. Peter, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you today? I'm very well indeed and good to yeah. talk to you, Peter. What, what are you uh, making of that notion? Where where would you stand on it, I suppose, should be my first question to you. Um, I certainly wouldn't have any interest in um, joining the Commonwealth. We give 
I suppose, 700 years trying to get away from them. And um, going back to that now wouldn't be something I'd have much interest in, to be honest with you, Fran, yeah. Mm. And uh, the reasoning behind it would be historical, obviously, from your point of view. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, it's time to leave nations. Uh, well, just it, I, I, I kind of mixed views in the whole thing. Mm. Well, t- I talk about not going back into the Commonwealth, and at the same time, here we are in the in the European Union, mm. which is pretty much a Commonwealth, you mm. know. So yeah. it's but it would be historical from the word Commonwealth itself, because like we know, the British had a finger or a paw in every nearly in every country in the world at some stage and the ones that got complete independence from them I don't think would have much interest in going back in again, do you know? Yeah, and uh, the Commonwealth as uh, the point you're making largely made up of uh, countries, I suppose, who were part of the, the so-called British Empire. I think there's about mm. 50, 56 uh, countries involved as, as far as I know. Um, do you think that maybe we should try and look at it though without the historical uh, references and maybe think oh. would it have advantages maybe economically mm. or something because it is a global I, sort of a I don't see any um, any advantages uh, economically with it to mm. be honest with you and I would see it as another um, probably another force to like not leave us be Irish not leave us be our own country and do our own thing mm. you know it would be just somebody else uh, dictating from, a, from abroad so no, I don't see any benefits uh, whatsoever to um, going back to uh, being in the Commonwealth or having nothing to do with us. Do you know, because I've often spoken to your friend about we really having no power in this country anymore. That's um, like what um, Kerry uh, MEP um, Kelly said, the, the, the European elections are the important ones now yeah. because that's where the power is. That's where the decisions and are being made. Yeah. That's where the decisions are being made. So I think we have enough now to deal with in Europe besides um, bringing the Commonwealth back in again to be yeah. calling more shots, you know. I suppose by its nature, if we were to ever do this, and I couldn't see it happening anyway, but there would be some jurisdiction, I suppose, from the British royalty um, as well. Yeah, but see, the British royalty out there running, they're, they're kind of the head of it. Yeah. But that's just, it's not actually, that's not set in stone that they have to be. Mm. But it's just passed from one to the other as, as they go along in a kind of um, a, a goodwill gesture by the, the community itself or the Commonwealth itself, you know. Mm. But I think um, I think there'd be very little appetite for anything to go going backwards, going back that way, fine, to be honest with you. And I don't see any uh, financial benefits whatsoever from it, you know. Yeah, it'll be, be, be very interesting indeed. I, I, I'd love to know your opinion because we haven't spoken in the in the last couple of weeks, Peter. I, yeah. Your opinion on what's been happening in Ross Grey? I'm sure you're across that. What, what, um, what are your uh, thoughts? Look, it, it, it's, it's absolutely scandalous what um, what's have been done to the people of Ross Grey. Um, my opinions of it are and I said it two and a half years ago. Mm. We we are full. We have too many. We can't cope. And this is just another part of it. Mm. And they are picking, probably in my book, they're picking the, the counties in that that have very little representation in government and, and, and pushing people and getting off with it. To me, this wouldn't happen in... Um, the, like the Tarnisters area or, the, or, or that. Do you know, anyone that's out, the ministers, you never see it happening in their area to any big extent. Tipperary seems to be an easy target at the moment. And as far as the, the one person we have 
from government in Tipperary, uh, Jackie Cahill, I think he he only came into this thing late on. I think he missed it at the start. So I think it's a, an absolute disgrace what's happening up there. Well, in fairness to Jackie Cahill, he's, he's been talking to us about it right right from the uh, the very start. But then again, you see, there there is a government line on this too, and there is a party yeah. line on this, that if you're a TD, you're under the whip, I suppose, in fairness to him. Yeah, I, I understand that. Like, But coming back, tell us three days a week later, oh, we'll do up the old hotel there, mm. and you can use that. And we'll 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 take the, the hotel that was in working order. Um, we'll take that for the for the asylum seekers and that. Like this should all be planned ahead. Mm. This is just catch up stuff. And um, like the, the the hotel, there's something yeah um, has something to say to you there about that. Like the mm. the hotel itself. I actually made a point back a couple, a week or so ago. It to me. The owner of the hotel probably have a good bit to um, to answer for. Like, mm-hmm. to me, there's a lot of greed involved as well, Fran. You know, people are... But you see, there's commercial realities. It's it's very hard, Peter, for a hotel, and as we see with restaurants closing down, every, to, to stay going. So, I mean, you know, if it's if it's the case that you get a contract from the government and it guarantees that your business will continue on, it's, it's very hard to... To to condemn if, anybody if, for for making that yeah. commercial decision, you know. But if 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 you're if you want to stay in a hotel overnight, Fran, mm. to lie in a bed without a breakfast, that costs an awful lot of money. Mm. So they must be getting some money from from the government to hand all that over and mm. just close up the hotel. Like if they were able to stay in business for the last forty years mm. and found a way, how come all of a sudden? Um, they can hand the hotels over that it's that they can't do it anymore. You know. Well, some of the figures came out over the weekend about what's been paid out for accommodation, and it's astronomical. I mean, it's millions, it's crazy. And millions, and millions. It's it? absolutely crazy. And there's there is plenty. If there was a bit of thought put into the whole thing and a bit of forward thinking, there is plenty buildings. There's plenty places. There's plenty houses. There is houses. These are, these are vacant, vacant premises you're talking about, Peter, yes, is it? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. There, there's, there's hundreds of them, thousands of them throughout the country. Mm. And they've taken away the, the tourism places, the hotels, the places that people can go and actually put a bit of money into the economy. You know, it's, it's, I, just don't, I just don't understand. And uh, do you have concern for the long-term effect of this, Peter? Of course. Mm. They, 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 of course, because if you went to a town, if you go to Ross Gray now, you have no place to stay. Mm. Like, mm. of course there's going to be concerns. Like, if, if yourself and Mary want to go play a bit of music, somebody wants to go to see you. Where are you is there a place in Rosgrave big enough anymore? Is there, you know, everything, the hotel is the centre of a, of a town. It's what really uh, drives the town, a decent hotel. And if you have people staying, they'll be going out to the local restaurants for a bite to eat, they'll be going to the local pubs for uh, a drink, and they'll be going to the local shops to do a little bit of shopping. That's where the money is made in towns and, and, and areas like so that. So it takes you know? from the local economy uh, completely. Uh, totally. And, right. and, putting in, and, send, and putting in people that haven't managed to allowed work, they're allowed, you know, that they're not putting anything back into the economy because they're not allowed, probably, with the system we have going, you know, so... That's the. That's where I am on that one. Anyway, well, Peter, great to talk to you as always, and thanks for your time this morning. Thanks. And you, no bother. Good morning to you, Peter. Bye bye to you now. News and information is coming up. 
Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Pat and uh, welcome along to the second hour of Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Text WhatsApp 083-311-3311. Now, I was uh, speaking to Peter Ryan about the cost to the state uh, where uh, accommodation is concerned for... Um, for people coming in from uh, overseas and I'm just looking at some figures here published by the the Mail on uh, Sunday and uh, seemingly five companies were paid more than 100 million by the state for housing refugees and asylum seekers for just six months of last year. Uh, a total of 184 companies were paid more than 1 million in state contracts for the first six months of 2023 sharing a total combined payment of 650 million euro. Now this is for six months of last year. The massive multi-million payout does not include the dozens of other firms and businesses who were paid less than 1 million. Okay, so that's that's the kind of money that uh, we're talking about uh, where that's uh, concerned. And uh, in the mail, they used the, uh, the headline that read, The Asylum Millionaires, 083-311-3311. Now, the NCT is always a trending uh, topic on the programme, and Noel joins me now. Noel, good morning to you. Hi, Fran, and thanks very much for having me. Uh, you're good to talk to you, Noel. You you have some concerns about the accountability of the NCT centres, Noel, I think. Yes. Back a few months ago, back, remember the time there was a big topic was on it that they weren't accepting any cash anymore mm. and they were having credit card machines. Well, I took it on my own bet to write to the Minister, Jack Chambers, and I got a reply back from him back on the 12th of January 2024. Now, this... Mm. As far, if I can recall, if I, if I, I stand to be corrected on this, um, I, as far as I know, that story came out in October of 2023 mm. about the, the credit about card. The cash, yes. Yeah, the cash, mm. okay? Yeah. Well, I took it on my own back and I got a reply back on the 12th of January. It took three months for Jack Chambers to reply to me. Mm. Now, my point that I want to make to the people is if they're taking, if they want to take a credit card, they should be liable for the disc that's on their car and they should be made just just like your road tax mm-hmm. uh, they're responsible for the roads well just like the NCT they should be made responsible for for having um, what's called it have, when you have a disc on your car they should be re- made oh. responsible for so do, do you mean Noel if they say that yep your car is fine here's your disc that they should have a responsibility for that car for a period of yes. time then is that it yes hmm. they should be made responsible for if they're if they're safe, they're saying it goes up in the lift and they they get a nail bar and they they tug this and they tug that and they pull this and they pull that. Mm. Well, they're doing damage straight away in a car. Mm. Well, they they wouldn't see it as they they'd see it as they're just testing the car, I suppose. Yeah, well, yeah, it's testing the car, but not not getting nail bars and putting them in on 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 suspensions and pulling them left and pulling them right. Because I've seen it happening, mm. and when when we go outside and look in at the door. 
straight away the door will come straight down, Fred. So you're saying that some damage could be done with, with yes. some of this testing? Yeah. Yes. You know, and, I, and I'm saying, like, the car, every... I'll give an example. I had my car done back last year. Mm. And I'm not saying it was done by them now, right? Mm. But the point I'm making is they got nail bars, they ended up in the lift, and they pulled them, they dragged it, and they'd done everything to it. So they're loosening the, the, the suspension. They're loosening this, they're loosening that by pulling on that stuff. Mm. So that's my point. And if they're, take, if they're going to be taking payments by credit card, they should be made responsible for at least the maximum of six months after the test. So are you saying to me that if your car breaks down after getting a positive NCT, they should pick up the tab in some way? Is that yes, they should be made liable for it. Hmm. That's I, my point I want to make to the people. And I, and as, I, as I said, you, you would have got a copy of this letter. I don't know if you, if you, if you have it there or not. But it, I wrote to Jack Chambers. I, I don't I, have it in front of me, so will you just remind me, Noel, what exactly did you say to the minister? Well, <coughs> Excuse I, me. I, I just wrote to him, I said, he, he came back to me and he says to me, was, many thanks for your correspondence in relation to the National Car Testing Service, NCT. In regarding, I have been asked by Minister Chambers to reply to you on your behalf. Under section, under the Road Safety Act, Authority Act 2006, currently and functional, under tw- 2006, SI number 477 of 2006, the Road Safety Authority and that the body of the statutory responsibility of operations and oversight of, of a road worthiness test on the state of Minister Jack Chambers does not have any direct role in the operation matters and cannot comment on the individual cases. Like, the NCT is not an essential... Uh, sorry, the NCT is an essential public health and safety measures, and it is important correspondent that the government road safety strategy... Since it is introduced in 2000, through the uh, introduction of the issues such as faulty brakes, tyres, defects, lights, and on, so on, so on, mm. it, it helps us to make a vehicle safer and significant right. reduce. So he basically sent you, you know, the manual for, for, yes. for how, how the NCT works and how effective it is. Yes. But, now, but did I, he answer your question, though? No, he did not no. answer my question. Okay. Right. So I, I want to put it to... All the TDs, all the ministers out there, can they bring this to the doll mm. and get us get us uh, sanctioned that the NCT centres should be made responsible? Mm. Should be made responsible for a care. I, after, after I don't want to burst your bubble on this, Noel, but uh, I cu- I, I, cu- I couldn't see them doing that. No, I know that, friend, and I know that yeah. too well. But if, 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 as my late father used to say, if you don't ask, you won't get. <laughs> Well, a friend of mine says a dumb priest never got a parish. So, so I, I, <laughs> I, I take what you're saying. So, and, and do you have general concerns around the, the, the NCT itself? I mean, do you, well, well, let me put it to you this way. Do you think it's effective in terms of road safety? Well, to be honest, you know, I don't see it any, in, in any effect. It's waste of public money, first of all. Right. And it always was waste of public money. Right. Well, Superintendent Eddie Golden on this programme... He, he had a very interesting conversation with me a few months ago and he was, you know, pointing out certain things that happened along the way that helped us to to do something about the amount of people that were being killed on, on the roads. And in fairness to him, he was able to prove to me that the NCT, the introduction of the NCT, did help in terms of road deaths and, and they did drop further around that time. So it has an effect to some degree. Well, like, but 
in, in relation to the 55 euros, Fred, right? Mm. For, for the, the few minutes that, yeah, the cost, yeah, yeah. For the few minutes that's in the shade, or in the, in the testing centre, or is that, as I call it, a shade. But it's not, it's not worth the money. Mm. It should be reduced. It should be reduced for old age pensioners. Mm. Like, old age pensioners are on maximum of 230, right? Yeah. That was before the rise they got there in January. And they may have an older car because it's every two years, I understand, Noel, you correct yes. me if I'm wrong, for, for vehicles under 10 years, isn't that it? And it's every year well, then if, if it's older than 10 years. I'll give an example. An 09 car, right? It's every year. Okay. Um, right. A 12 car, it's every two years as well. But a car, any, any high, uh, say a 2022, it's every two years. Right. Until it comes to a three-year car, then it's every year. But you know it's interesting if you have a forty-year-old car, if you have a classic car, uh, you, you're, you're exempt from the NCT, yes. which is kind of interesting as which, well. Which is which? It should be the opposite way around, friend. <laughs> it should be tested. Well, in fairness, some of those classic cars are only out for a couple of hours a week, maybe, or something like that, maybe on a Sunday or something. So, so it's quite different. But anyway, and uh, will you go back to to the minister well, on this, or are oh you yes, done I with am, it? I'm actually waiting for his secretary to come back to me in relation to it. And he, he wants to, well, I want him to bring it to the doll to question it. Why, why, um, why the, yeah. the NCT centres are not... Yeah, well, there's a lot of questioning around the NCT centres about the various delays and one thing and another, I suppose. So there's there's a lot to talk about there. It's uh, an interesting one. Well, Noel, you let me know when you hear back from from uh, the the minister. Well, or, yeah, all right. Look after yourself right. and be safe on the road, anyway, Noel. All right, friend. Thank right. you very much. Thank Jeremy you. Bye bye, you know. That's Noel with his idea there that there should be a certain responsibility. Uh, where the NCT centres are concerned, if they give you the go-ahead for your car being safe on the road, um, that they should be responsible for that in some way if it breaks down. Well, what do you make of that? Uh, 083 311 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie um, Quite a bit of reaction to our piece about the death of Ian Bailey at the very top of uh, the programme. Just to bring you a couple of those. Ian, the, it did not come across as a killer to me, Fran. And with what I see how this country is treating people and lying to the public, I suspect he may have been framed. I trust nobody who works for the state, says Barry. Um, and ask that girl, it says here, that would have been my chat with Alex. Ask, ask that girl if she realises there was no evidence and Ian Bailey, like everybody else, is innocent until proven guilty. Somebody else saying if the death of Sophie Toscan Duplantia had been investigated properly, we might know who her murderer was. Um, OK, and lots more in on that vein as well. On something completely different, we've often... Uh, discuss the use of vapes on the, uh, this program and the conflicting views on their safety and potential health risks. While the World, World Health Organization recently added fuel to this discussion by urging governments to consider banning flavoured vapes altogether, 
Well, Emma Freeman is a teenager and is urging others uh, not to pick up the habit after she herself started vaping and after seeing some of the consequences. She joins me now. Emma, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well, Emma, and great to talk to you today. You're 19 years old. You're from uh, Nina. Will you tell me about your experience of vaping, Emma? I will. So, occasionally, I would have taken a puff here or there. Um, I wasn't really, um, you know, a standard vapor, mm. but um, I would have taken a puff here or there as a typical teenager, you know, trying to fit in among friends um, on nights out, um, and just trying to prove myself to people, I suppose. Uh, I would have done it to show people that, you know, I was just as worthy as they were and I suppose low self-esteem, I guess, and mm. stuff. Yes. But um, so it is, I suppose, what, why else did I do it? The perfume essence to it, there's flavours to it. And uh, some people, if you'd met them, they would think, oh, you've lovely perfume on, but it's actually not. Um, right. Oh, but it's anyway. the vape. So it would give a scent that would linger. Is that what you're saying to me? Emma? Yes, that's Oh, it. I didn't realise yes, that. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And also it was kind of like smoking. It would be used to calm you down from mm. anxiety or whatever if you were stressed in a situation. Mm. Um, people use the term flavoured air, but mm. I can tell you now it's far from that. Um, what motivated me to stop, I suppose, as I say, I'm not much, I don't really go out much, but when I did, I used to. And uh what motivated me to stop was I was told that it can affect your voice, it can damage your voice box, mm -hmm. and I love to sing. Mm -hmm. So I took that statement very literally, and I said, right, I better stop this or else I won't have a voice. So um, I then stopped. But from witnessing uh, friends, peers, uh family members it is a huge danger and from reading articles and looking up more about it I'm realising how dangerous it actually is and I'm so glad that it took that tiny little uh, sentence for me to stop um, yeah, It's interesting Emma, I don't vape and I don't smoke luckily either so I don't know, I mean does it give you a, a hit of some kind does it, I mean what, how do you feel after vaping? To be honest I haven't done it enough to tell you, but yeah. um, I, for me, I'm not sure because I never really got that hit. I guess it's it's given you that chance to breathe deeper. Mm. Um, because I find breathing, do you know when they're you know when you suffer if you suffer with anxiety, they tell you to do deep breathing. Yes, and of course. I find that very difficult. So I found I was breathing deeper if you're inhaling something. So it was, I suppose. Relaxing in that sense, but mm. other, I don't think I got anything from the actual substance itself. It was just the motion of it, I suppose. Right. And it, di it didn't make you physically unwell or anything like that, did it? Well, I didn't do it enough for it to right. impact in me like that, thank God. And and some people so. tell me that, you know, when you begin smoking for the first time, you, you, you're you kind of nauseous, uh, to say the very least. Uh, when you vaped for the first time, did you, did you have any reaction like that to it? Or, or was it easy I to do, I suppose, is what I'm saying, Emma? I'm very lucky in the sense that, like, going by my peers, like, my peers would have started and they would have got hooked on it and they can't, they can't stop it now. Whereas me, I was well able to just 
you know, I didn't need it, like, yes. do you know what I mean? But all there is I an addictive uh, nature to it, is there? There, oh, of course there is, right. and I can go into the negative to it now, but for me, thank God, it didn't have that uh, addictive kind of mm. effect on me, and it didn't affect me nauseously or anything, because I, I just didn't do it enough, I suppose. But, yeah, mm. I wouldn't be your regular vapor. Right. Um, but in terms of why do I disagree with vaping, I suppose, um, is probably why you're wondering. Mm. Um, so it does contain toxic chemicals. Um, I often did wonder, you know, how what is in this thing, you know? Mm. A lot of us, um, we do, as teenagers anyway, we do things because we're so focused on trying to fit in and trying to be cool and mm. trying to, you know, uh, just... Mm. mask I suppose and trying to pretend we're someone we're not that we don't really look at the dangers I suppose but me I am very once I do something I'm very into the research behind mm. everything so I kind of wanted to go into the research and I said what is in this you know mm. stick I suppose and What did you discover Emma? So I discovered that there's acrolin in it, which is a herbicide used to kill weeds. So when I found that out, I said, oh, my God, what am I doing to my poor throat? (laughs) So um, I said, right, I better delve into this a little bit more. And I realized that, yes, it can cause lung disease, shortness of breath and cardiovascular disease. And this is all kind of common knowledge and stuff that kind of people know about smoking and things like that. But I did notice it play a very vivid part in my friends' lives. Like, looking at my friends, they're still young, they still have life to live. And when we do PE or when we do sports or anything, I noticed that they were having shortness of breath and they would have been very fit people before this. So I was getting very concerned. So that's why I delved in a bit deeper. And from family observance, family smokers, I wouldn't see it affecting them as much and they'd be smoking a lot longer than the vapes have been out. So, wow. it was so you're saying the, 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 as far as you could observe, um, the vaping was more detrimental to... Definitely, 100%. And like vaping is fairly new and we haven't even seen the long-term effects of vaping yet for, you know, as of old age or what it will do to us. So it's very concerning. So do you go Um, along with the World Health Organization then um, urging governments to consider banning flavoured vapes altogether? Yes. Right. Well, from my research, I've gathered that um, vapes in- include flavouring that may be safe in food and drink, but it's not safe when inhaled, so it can be quite toxic to our bodies. Um, there's this volatile organic compound found in it that people use for paint and heavy-duty cleaning products, which is very... Um, a, red, a big red it's, it's flag. It's very worrying indeed. And of course, yeah. depending on where you're buying your, your product as well, I mean, some of what's coming into the country, I suppose we don't know, we have no idea, in no. fact, what's, what's no. in them, you know? Like, there's there's a lot of, like, high-branded and very expensive vapes, but there's also very cheap-branded, mm. um, so you don't know what you're inhaling yes. and putting into your body. So have you um, become a sort of an advocate then uh, for this, Emma, in terms of trying to to advise to honest, young, young people uh, not, not to vape? To be honest, I am a mental health advocate um, and a youth advocate. Um, so I kind of cover a lot of topics. So this wouldn't be my only focus. I focus on a lot of different topics. Yes. Um, 
anything that is kind of I look at mental health in Ireland particularly and I look at the issues that young people face every day and I try to kind of learn a bit more about it and see what I can do to help in the best way possible. I try to educate young people around me and support people the best way that I can and hopefully it'll support and help people. I like to provide information and I don't I don't like to push people so I provide the information and whether they take it on board or not is completely up to them, but I feel I've done something by educating them on what I've learned. And Emma, my understanding is that you're coming at this with uh, some experience indeed. I hope you don't don't mind my saying so, but you've been diagnosed yourself with Asperger's. Is that is that correct? Yes. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. And do you mind talking about that to me for for a bit? No, I don't uh, at all. What, what exactly so, is Asperger's, by the way, for those of us who might be too sure? So Asperger's is actually an old word that has been used. It's been replaced now, but I still use the term Asperger's because that's what I was diagnosed with. Mm. But it's actually known as AS, AS now. Mm. So that's autism spectrum. But I am still using the word Asperger's. So it's high-functioning autism. So the best way I can describe it to you is you could meet me down the street or you could meet another high-functioning person and you may not know that they're autistic. You could talk to them, um, you could interact with them, you could do whatever, and you may not pick up on it whatsoever. There are many people in my life that do not know I have autism um, because I didn't feel the need to tell them because I suppose... Unless it's impacting my relationship with them, then of course I will tell them. But if not, I don't feel it's, 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 it's who I am. And if they accept me for who I am, then they accept course, that I have yes. autism, you know? Of course. But I, I'm just wondering about, because you spoke to me earlier on about low self-esteem. Is, is that yes. in some way, is that part of having autism? Um, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, Unfortunately, autistic people are very prone to anxiety and depression, and I would have suffered with anxiety from a very young age. Um, I suppose I'd tell you a few things of how it affects me, good or bad, Mm. but I take things quite literally. Mm. So if somebody tells me something, uh, like say in the workplace or a friend or family member or something, if they tell me something, I will take that very literally. So if you say if you're angry with me and you say, oh, I hate you or, you know, whatever, I don't like you, I would take that very literally. Mm. So... I would think, oh my God, they really do hate me. And it would take me a long time to recover from that um, because everything sinks in and I really do feel emotions very deeply. So that even occurs to happiness. I would feel happiness very deeply. I feel love very deeply. I feel sadness very deeply. I feel anger. I don't really feel anger a whole pile, but if I did, it would be very deeply. Um, I am not able to be fake, so I really struggled in secondary school because Mm. as a teenager, you're kind of, you're very egocentric, Mm. so you're very um, concerned about what other people think, and you think that everyone's watching you, and you think you have to be a certain way, and I don't have that ability in my mind to do that, to be fake. I'm not able to... So playing the game, as they call it, you're not good at that. No, not at all. I'm not able to play the game. Uh, You'd know straight off that... I don't even think I attempt it because I'm not... It's just an like. I'd be very observant. So if I'm out any... Which is a pain, to be honest, because if I'm out anywhere shopping or um, out for a walk or something, I will notice 
a dirty look given to me, I will notice, you know, mm. any little comment made towards me. Whether if I was talking to my mother, she'd say, oh, my God, I didn't even notice that. Or even a person, I might say, oh, I saw that person. And she'd say, I didn't notice them at all. But I'd notice every small little detail. So you're hyper-vigilant hyper all the yes. time. Wow. It can be it can be amazing. Like I love writing, yeah. and I love like you know whether it's fictional or nonfiction. I love writing, and I can, you know, you can really view my point of view when I write. But it is a pain when you're trying to live your day to day life and you're trying to get on with things, and your brain is picking up on things that it doesn't necessarily need to pick up on, you know. Yeah, but um, I can really see the point then, Emma as to why yes. something like vaping or anything, yes. in fact, that would make you relax would be very attractive to you. So fair play for deciding, no, this is bad for my health, I just won't go down this road. Um, even yeah. if it gave you a bit of peace in some way. I suppose, yeah. Um, I I am, another thing about me is I'm very factual and I'm very logical. Mm. So I suppose I tend to look at things in a logical perspective. So if I, you know, once I find out about the vaping and how bad it is, I say, well, is it logical? Is this going to help my mental health? Is this going to help my physical health? Is it going to serve me? It, to me, vaping is a, it's like a drug. It serves you maybe for uh, about five seconds and then it's like you need more mm. of it and it's not good enough. And to me, I am able to put that boundary in my brain and say, this is not right, this is you know, I need to do something better, that's, you know? That's so interesting. So the short-term solace, you could see past that. Yeah, and it's Very so much easier, so mm -hmm. much easier now since I left secondary school and I don't feel like I'm an adult now. I see mm -hmm. myself as an adult and I can take on responsibilities and I don't have to be someone that I'm not, you know? I don't feel that pressure. So if... I am with friends that do vape and they shame me for not vaping. I will just say, look, guys, this is who I am. And if you don't like that, then that is OK. Well, I Emma, is that, that a lovely place to be? I mean, that's... It's that's so nice. Oh, it's amazing. It's a I, place to be. I, I suffered for my entire teenage life trying to please other people, trying to be, trying, trying. Mm. I say trying, but it didn't really work out. But I'm delighted it didn't because I am who I am and... No one can change that. Like You said a lovely thing to me there when you were listing off, uh, you know, how you feel. You, you said, when it comes to happiness, I feel happiness very, very deeply. Indeed. Yeah. It's a lovely thing to be able to say. It is. It is very. And I only I only kind of realised it, I suppose, as, like, I'm, I'm only learning about my diagnosis. I got diagnosed at 12, so I'm still learning every day. And I was overlooked as a child because I'm very good at masking. And that is, like, you know, um, covering up your symptoms, I suppose. But um, because of that, uh, I didn't get diagnosed till 12. And from 12 to now, I have been researching loads of different articles, books and speeches of people because autism, as you probably know, is so different for everybody, mm -hmm. completely different, which makes it so complex. But it's very difficult being someone diagnosed with something and you have to go and figure it out for yourself. Like, you have to figure out, how does this affect me? Mm. And how, you know, can I improve this in my life? Um, and is that a case that you have to figure it out for yourself because the services just are not there and the help isn't there, I suppose? 
look at the services, I believe, are doing the very best that they can. And look, at we know there is uh, poor funding towards mental health services. But I will say it's more so lack of education. And I don't blame any... Like, there isn't a whole pile out there. So it is hard. It's up to us, I think, the autistic people, to provide the information because we have to we have to self-discover we have to go on this journey of self-discovery like anyone but i think more so for us because life if you don't go on self-discovery journey you are going to spend your whole life in denial you are going to suffer you're going to be very negative about life and you're going to victimize yourself whether if you know yourself inside out then you know what your triggers are what affects you how you think and what you can do to help yourself so i think it's all about us we need to you know figure things we need to do our research for ourselves we need to figure out who we are figure out what we like and then figure out you know what can help us so we can help other people understand us and i think that is what we need to do well emma i mean we started out talking about vaping but i mean it's a fascinating conversation and thank you so much for giving us an insight there and a no very problem. important insight as well i i hope we can talk again emma Absolutely. Thank right. you very much for you look having after me. You and th- thank you very much indeed. Good morning to you. That's Emma Freeman speaking to us there. Most interesting conversation. I'm sure you'll agree. Now, we've been discussing the handling of the tensions in Ross Grey over the past week by uh, the various departments in the government. We've received a lot of reaction, and John was in touch and joins me now. John, good morning. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm just listening to that girl here. That's fabulous. Wasn't it? could could be such an advocate for like she's absolutely brilliant isn't she and and such an insight into what it's like to be on the autistic spectrum i mean i, I just found it fascinating indeed but she seems to have much peace with herself and she seems to be so um so in tune with what you know with herself even yeah, i know yeah which was a brilliant interview i have to say i was sitting here listening to it yeah, well, and I talked to you, you know. Yeah, look, smashing. Really enjoy that, and I hope we can talk to her again. And um, you've been observing things, uh, John, that has uh, uh, been played out in Ross Grey over the last while. What What are your thoughts, John? Well, I've been observing things being played out all over rural Ireland, basically. Um, not only in Ross Grey, but because Ross Grey is near enough to us, like you know, it's in yeah. our county. And, I saw what happened. Well, I was. I saw what happened in Cashel, and um, I I do know that there's other towns as well. There was Bellinrobe, and there was um, Carlow, and that's mm. the up in Mayo. Another one up in Mayo, and I, I'm beginning to wonder: Do the government actually listen to anyone anymore? I, I think that a lot of the a lot of the government, right? We've been a fall been a Gale Green coalition, right? Mm. Now, I'm comparing this to the Rainbow Coalition. Do you remember the Rainbow Back coalition? in the 1990s, yeah. yeah. With Labour, yeah. I, as you know, when I was a card carry member of one of the government parties. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the day Leo got the job was the day that Fine Gael, well, actually, I think Fine Gael were going downhill since Michael Newman probably brought in the Vulture Fund. And Phil Hogan started talking about that people would be cut off from that water. Yes. I know yeah. that the ordinary Finnegan member looked at that in horror. 
And um, and why do you think that the arrival of um, of Leo Varadkar as party leave, leader speeded up that in some way? Why why do you think it was, was a Dublin? It was a Dublin vote to cut in Leo. Simon Coveney won the rural vote. We'd be honest about it here. He was actually a good minister for agriculture. Now that wouldn't mean a lot, but he 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 was more in tune with rural Ireland than the Dublin Four set, if you follow me. Mm. And when you see party members standing down as TDs and not going in the next election, and I know some of them had reached an advanced age, but I also know some of them had a lot to give. But when you start seeing councillors, we're losing an extremely good councillor here in my municipal district. This is Michael Uh, Fitzgerald you're talking about, is it? Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, an excellent councillor. Yeah, huge, huge experience. Huge experience. And there is no one there, really. It's going to be, I am only looking at my own municipal district, right? And like, the nearest councillor probably to me is Councillor Burgess, right? Mm-hmm. And then I don't, I, I even though I know John Cross and Mary Hannah up at the far side, mm. like, I'm living here. And, like, you know, there, it, there's one local candidate who's an independent going to be running. And he's going to get a lot of support, I think. And, and, it, and it, do you, do you think that that is being seen as being a sort of a, a, well, pro- a protest around, vote then in, in yeah, some I, ways? I think so, yeah, but I don't think it's just about migration. Uh, I don't, like, we have, uh, this area here is very rural. It's, you know, yes. we, like, for us, I can talk to people every day of the week, right? The Green Party have 11 seats in the door. Mm. They have eight either government ministries or junior ministers. They have a senator who's a junior minister for agriculture. Now, it's not the first time we've had a senator. Mm. Fine Gael had Jim Duke as foreign affairs senator during Gatis Charles' time. But the Greens have had more influence on this government than, than any other smaller party down the years in a coalition. And but is that, is that not? I, I've thought of, I've thought about that too, John. And a lot of that I think is also down to the fact that you know the European Green agenda has a huge influence on the government too. So it's a combination, agree, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'd agree with you. But like, it, it's not you know the Green Party. I don't actually know anyone who's a member of the Green Party. I have to admit that I don't. I don't think... You don't know anybody at all who's a member of the Green oh, Party? No, I don't. Maybe they're silent members or maybe... I don't really. Uh, I know you had someone on your panel there uh, during the on mm. the Friday that used to be a member, I think, mm. or ran for the Green Party or something. Mm. Yeah. I don't know that person. But actually, personally, me, I don't know anyone who's a member of the Green Party mm. uh, in my locality. Mm. I've never seen a Green candidate... Um, running the local elections in Tipperary in my municipal area, as we call it. Now, I think myself that, like, take the Rosgraton, right? Um, right. Mm. Michael Lowry, Matthew McGrath, David Tucker. Now, for Matthew McGrath, 
I don't think it's anything going to cost him anything because he won't be a candidate in the next general election in North Tipperary, right? So for Maggie to go up there, that was his business. Well, he's a candidate and, in Tipperary, which means that anybody can so vote for him. He's a candidate in South Tipperary. He mm. will be a candidate in South. He won't be a candidate in North mm. Tipperary. Mm. And that's fair enough. But he felt that he had to go up because he's still representing the people of Tipperary in, you know. And I was watching the Tonight Show a couple of nights, and I have to say, I... I I thought some of the carry-on, I thought Heather Humphrey was a disgrace last week. I, I really did. I, as a rural... Well, was that the comments uh, about people who yeah, were protesting? Comments, uh, um, that yeah. was uncalled for. Yeah. I think another uncalled for comment was that when Leo Bradford came out and said, well, you know, we're talking about the people who get up early in the morning. Mm. Do you remember that? Mm. And yeah. some of them things, like loose clips, that's what I call Leo, loose clips. And and uh, what I, do you see that? Do you see that as anti-people who are on social welfare? or? Well, I see it as anti-people who, if they're not in his class in Dublin 4, mm. that's the way I see it, you know? I think he got a few answers at the IFA meeting, right? I, I think he was, he, he was told straight out, like, you know? And I don't think... Um, but I'm just saying to you that, that like... It's not the fellows who are topping the poll that's going to have the problems in the next local election. Mm. It's the Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil candidates at the bottom who's relying on transfers from the top. Like, let's take my own municipality. Mick Fitch got over three and a half, four, nearly 4,000 mm. votes in the last local mm. election, right? He brought in three candidates to each that's not going to happen anymore. Do you not think so? Because, no, no, no. Well, I mean, because that was a, a very personal vote, vote, I suppose. You, so. Yeah, but I'm just saying that yeah. you have an independent running now. If you have an independent running now who's well got by the people, who says all the right things, mm. I think that the one person who's coming out with this Ross Gray tobacco, uh, as we call it, is Shane Lee. Mm. Um, he's Made his peace. He's done his bit. Mm. Um, but, but, but again, and, I, I, and, and Michael Smith, is, Michael yeah. Smith. Now, Michael Smith may get, will get probably get in on the old bread of the old Fianna Fáil vote. Mm. His father's vote, and he's he, he's a good councillor. He's a he's good councillor, but unfortunately, sometimes you go against the wind. <laughs> You know, and of, of course, but I mean, in, in fairness to Michael Smith and in fairness to Jackie Cahill and I suppose all of the, the, the Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael Council, there, there is a party whip and, you know, there is a discipline within the party. And sometimes it's easy if you're independent because you don't really have to answer to anybody. And, yeah, I know and, that. You know, so the, know there is that element that. and we must keep that in mind, I suppose, John. Yeah, I know you must keep that in mind, but there's also at the end of the day, these guys are going to be running for election in May. Mm. and these things are going to be it might have been a year down the line it might have been safer Yeah. but it's it's only three months down the line to follow me and you have new peop, young people out there who whose parents may have voted Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and yeah. these people are moving to Sinn Féin and they're moving to other parties and they're moving to independence finally let's be honest about it and not all independent like Michael you probably have shown better than anyone at how an independent can get things done. Mm. 
Yeah, but he gets an awful lot of flack as well for the fact that he's he seen to be supporting the he, government, yeah. He does, but he's able to take it. But he's still always come out on the right side. And I think the biggest loss to us in Tipperary is that we in South Tipperary won't be able to call it Michael Howard. Mm. Like that, I worked in that hospital for over 20 years. Mm. And the one fellow who actually did do something was, like, Seamus Healy was great to organise the marches and the protests and everything down the town. But, like, you know, that, that side of the hospital that's now built, like, Michael Lowry had a fierce impact on that, you know. And that's the way an independent... Tony Gregory was another one mm. in Dublin where he got all the stuff of Charlie Hockey. The Charlie Hockey like, government, too. remember that this new generation of voters, they... They follow social media, and I've seen some terrible changes on social media the last number of weeks, especially about Ross Gray being. Mm. Now, you are right. You said earlier on that there seems to be a turn of change, mm. a sea change a mm. little bit. But there was still a guy on the Independent last Saturday um, who was saying that, oh, boo, boo, oh, they're worried about his using their hotel for a birthday party. Yeah, I, saw oh, that. I found that wrong. Yeah, I found that wrong. Yeah. And I do think that these Greens have. I think the Greens have way more power than they should have as a smaller government party. Well, you see, I, here am I standing up for the Greens, but I mean, how they would see themselves as they are representing, I suppose, what is an existential issue for mankind, which is climate change, and they oh, would... I would say that they're representing their own constituents in Dublin who don't want these people hanging around the place. Mm. Roderick of Mormon is, you know, I don't think many people have actually warned to him anyway. But I do see that there is a, 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 a thing in him where, like, even Eamon Ryan, like, Eamon Ryan, some of the guests Eamon Ryan came out with, like, we care share and care pool and in rural Ireland and all that rubbish, like, you know. I don't see any... Uh, I, if I want to link bus, I have to go to the village over, right? Mm. And but there's no buses passing my door. I, I was on here a couple of weeks ago talking about the traffic that's going from the winter golden and the speed. No yeah. councillor, no nothing has contacted me since. There still has been nothing done. The speed on my road is absolutely treacherous. Yeah. I was knocked out here lately and I took that walk. I have to get over to the village to walk around the GA grounds in the way because it's safer. I can't walk. One time I could walk over five greyhounds on a lead from here to well, now. It's, it's just not safe now. John, I can't do it now. You travel that road, Frank. I, I so, do, and I know it very well. I'm, I, I'm well, always I whinging about it as well. Are in trouble. I do know things. The people who are going to be in really trouble in the local elections are the left candidates who's going to be seeking that last seat. Well, it's, it's going to be a very interesting year, that's for sure. John, really good to talk to you today, and thanks very much indeed for coming on with us. Uh, I'll take a break back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years. In the Join the conversation in Tipperary. 
Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, uh, just some of your uh, text and WhatsApp uh, to us uh, today. A listener says, I agree with a lot of what that man is saying. The Dublin 4 crowd looking at... uh, uh, Ireland outside of the pale, the way the Brits looked at its empire 100 years ago. They see uh, Ireland as colonies of Dublin. Oh. Somebody is saying uh, the UK spent more money on researching vaping than the whole of the EU. They spent two years researching vaping and ended up with uh, the information that 95% better for you than smoking. There's 7,000 chemicals in a cigarette and four in vape, uh, they say that vaping, uh, vaping is not 100% safe, but it's much safer than smoking cigarettes. And uh, this uh, person goes on to give us some more information on that as well. Well, I remember speaking to uh, a gentleman, I think it was from Kilkenny, and he told me that he had tried everything to get off the cigarettes. And in the end, vaping got him off the uh, Cigarettes, but there's also another friend of mine who shall remain nameless who vapes and smokes. Almost kind of amuses me in a daft kind of way. My friend Joe Noble, uh, she says, Feck's sake, Fran, I was zipping around here polishing, etc., and you started talking about vaping. So I just had to get a coffee and a pull of me pipe <laughs> as well. Um, tell that man that the government plans to put a 15 euro levy on broadband to make up for the TV licence and watch him get even angrier. And that's referring to my chat with uh, Noel. Yeah, that that came up over the weekend. I forget where I read about that, but I'm not sure how much of a, a, a definite proposal that is. But I'm sure a lot of people would be very, very annoyed with that, that there would be a levy put on our already expensive enough broadband bills to uh, pay the uh, TV licence. And, of course, a lot of people on here as well, they're very angry about the fact that uh, Oliver Callan uh, has got the um, the Tuberty slot now at €150,000 uh, a year for what some people would see as being five hours uh, work. <laughs> now, I'm not speaking up for Oliver Callan, but, I mean, to do an hour's work on, on radio, there is, um, there's a bit more to it than just sort of presenting yourself after the news and waffling for a while. You, ha- you have to do a little bit more work than that. But, I'm not, look... You know, I still think it's amazing money, but uh, there you go. Somebody else saying, Molly, in fact, saying the hotel owners should be ashamed of themselves um, because uh, people have booked weddings and functions and stuff and uh, all of this kind of thing where these hotels are concerned. And Molly goes on to say, shame on the hotel owners and the government leaders. The people of Ross Grey in particular have no issue with refugees. It's just that Ross Grey does not have any more space for them. Uh, another listener saying, if the government built social housing, uh, this would free up a massive amount of rental properties that could house refugees, etc. And people that can afford to rent them, the state is having to pay massive amounts of money to the landlords in Hap and Moss. And uh, with social housing, the taxpayers win as it's money into the country. This is one of our listeners. So that's all into us on 083 311 News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Premier Gandhi, slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today. 
with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to the final hour of tip today. A listener says, excellent piece on autism today, Fran. Very insightful and uh, interesting and well done to the young lady who spoke. I'd love to hear more about autism to make those of us who don't fully understand the complexities uh, of it uh, to become more aware. It's a very good point indeed and it's surely is something we will go back to very soon on the programme, I do promise you uh, that. Now, Colm Stapleton has been uh, making TV documentaries for over 25 years. Since 2020, though, he's taken to reviving the annals writing tradition in Ireland. And uh, this year... Colm is looking to put Tipperary in the spotlight and he joins me now. Colm, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Great to talk to you. Give, give us your good. Tipperary credentials, first of all, Colm, if you okay. would. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm half Tip. Well, I suppose that makes me... Well, I'm, I'm half North Tip. Uh, Thurless. So Stapleton of Thurless, Parnell Street. Uh, um, my granddad was a Sadler uh, on Parnell Street and I think he moved there in 1915. And... Um, uh, so that that is my credentials, and I suppose of recent, after my father passed away, I was curious. So I always thought of myself, oh, and I am Butter Stapleton, you know, a good tip name. But then I discovered all kinds of other uh, characters when I went delving into the into the genealogies. Kennedys, Slatteries, possibly your 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 puck on Slatteries. I'm not sure. Uh, Dawson. Ryan Donahue and Cleary, and it was just a funny one. Um, Hayes is uh, so I'm more a Hayes of Nina than I am a Stapleton of Thurless because my grandparents on the my paternal grandmother, her, her mother was a Hayes and her dad was a Hayes. So that makes me more Hayes than Stapleton. So these are the curiosities. Isn't it great? Well, they're all good temporary names. That's uh, for are. sure. Will you just just remind us the annals? The annals yes. traditionally were what? Well, to be very strict, an annual is what's written year by year because they're often confused with chronicles. Yes. So the idea is that uh, a chronicle could be writing about the 10th century in in uh, in the in the 18th century. Mm. If you know what I mean? Yes. So an annual is is year on year what is written. Uh, Antiquary has a fabulous history of annals itself. The annals of Ross Gray. Um, mm. Probably the annals of Inish Fallon were largely written in Emily, but that would cause a bit of a a war with yes. Kerry, uh, and but basically they are in an Irish context. They came in in the early fifth century from a kind of world chronicle writing tradition, which had uh, developed by Eusebius and Saint Jerome, which is basically that they grab all the info, slightly encyclopedic. Uh, of the whole of the world's history, and they line it up year by year by year by year, as opposed to mm. uh, you know subject matters. So then that rocks up in Ireland, and it stops being a world chronicle, and it becomes an Irish chronicle. And were uh, these largely religious? Uh, were these monks? Most, yeah, monks till about the 14th century, and then it becomes hereditary scribes, and mm. it, it kind of narrows itself to the northwest of Ireland. Um, because a lot of the uh, Clonmac Noise was the best centre of all and had the greatest longevity. Iona was also a place where mm. the Irish Chronicle was written, which served Scotland and Ireland. And then you do have things that are, you know, like the Annals of the Four Masters, not strictly an analyst, kind of a, a grab all of everything. Mm. Uh, Keating, Tipperary Man Keating, is a kind of a big history of Ireland. 
in a funny way, one of the most valuable items is the Psalter of Cashel, which was um, uh, put together by the what he's called, often called the priest, Bishop King Paul McCullinan, McCullinan, and that's a regnal list as opposed to an annal because it's not been written year on year on year. So it's a big plethora of uh, kings from kind of uh, mythic time into historic time. And then Brian Baru uh, kind of, uh, in a funny way, Brian Baru uh, is the start, well, he's not the start of misinformation, disinformation, but he he he... he he brought the Psalter of Cashel right up to, I suppose, about 1002, I think it was. And then he gathered all the kings of Ireland when he had become high king. And he said, now, this is the is the definitive work. Don't be straying from this. Any other chronicle hereafter will not be trusted. It has to be this one. Wow. OK. And and the kind of information in those chronicles were, were, were what? Were they well, political, historical? What was going yeah. on on the day? Yeah, they're, they're they're quite minimal. I mean, it's sort of, here's a battle, these lads got killed, mm. then the next year there could be another battle and this many cows got stolen. So there's, there's a huge amount of uh, abbots dying, anchorites dying, hermits mm. dying, uh, hermits founding places, uh, chieftains, minor or important, uh, having battles right. with each other. But it was, it, it was factual get, as opposed to observation or commentary or something, was it? Well, we're in, in our project. We're following a particular strain of the thing, the most definitive book on the subject, written by Dr. Dan McCarthy, and uh, his take would be that there was a lot of academics who thought that they they were just pretending to have been written way back in the fifth century, but it was really eighth century people pretending they were there. Where he would indicate that they there's proofs within the texts that would indicate these people were at these events. So if there's a plague in the five sixties. They, the, the tone and the, the way the annals are structured within the case, yes, those people are writing in that time, they're not writing later. But, but obviously if there's a battle over, if you're down in Tip and there's a battle in Antrim, you're not going to see us here going by the uh, a, a hearsay, uh, whatever it is, or if it's a little bit in the past, then you're trusting the information. So in terms uh, of what you're going to do then, Colm, in an age yeah. where we have so much information oh. at, our, at our fingertips, <laughs> it's yeah. uh, w- what exactly will you do then? Well, it's a kind of an absurd uh, gesture, I suppose, in a time uh, both of the plethora of the internet, but also with the advance of the AI stuff. In a way, AI is, 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 I shouldn't call this, but it's a gift mm. in that we, we, we had always emphasized that we would lock down the fact as much as we knew it within a year of the fact happening, Yes, if that makes sense. So um, it, going into the future, then uh, this is ink on parchment. So whatever happened, 23, which we're starting to accumulate now, uh, will would get locked according to what we know now. Uh, and ideally, we even try and keep it within the the year itself, and not stray in, into knowledge that's gleaned a year later. If you know what I mean. Right. And and uh, you so, you will use parchment and calligraphy, will you? Yes. Wow. Yes, yes. Okay. We, yeah. We, 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 that's that's the the and even I think in terms of the internet, we will put the page on the internet, yes. you know, for people to view, and that's how it is at the moment on our website. Uh, but we won't put the the typed version of it. You know, obviously yes, I type yeah. notes and things. But it's the ink and parchment that will go on the internet. Very good. Uh, in the idea that's locked in time. And why? Why? So the spotlight is on Tipperary. Is that fair to say? Twenty twenty three Tipperary. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. So uh, you know, it, it takes a year to write them. 
because uh, I'm very slow and uh, it takes another while then to do the calligraphy. So uh, Tipperary, we've had it. We, we don't always have county focus. We had one in 21, which is a double one, which is Waterford for Manor. This year's Tipperary. Mm. Fantastic. Um, and you're looking for some help on this, are you? Oh, definitely, yeah. 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 So we're looking for info for uh, within the county for 2023. Mm. Um, so that can be minor, that can be big. Uh, it's sort of probably best to look at the annals that we have already to get a tone of, of what it is. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's um, I'm trying to think of, I'll give you an example of something from my own life from Kerry. Mm. Uh, just as, as how, how th- odd things disappear with time. My granduncle was in the First World War, uh, but he was born in, uh, sorry, he was born in Kerry. He went to the First World War as an American soldier and was on his way back to uh, Chicago. And uh, there was a huge storm in the Atlantic and the giant ship, this is what told to me by my uncle, nearly on mm. his deathbed, and uh, the, the, the the guy said uh, the giant ship needs to be sheltered before it enters the Atlantic. So uh, he, the, my granduncle supposedly suggested that the uh, ship, which is meant to be the size of the Titanic, docked in the Dingle Harbour in the middle of the night. And then my granduncle supposedly hopped over, got a dinghy, rowed to the shore, wow. ran up two kilometres to bang at the door to his parents, who hadn't seen in you know seven years, and then had the tea back in the dinghy and back in. <laughs> and I only have uh, my... What my, a story. It, it, what a story. And never heard the story till the deathbed of the uncle. And uh, one other uh, cousin had sort of heard the story. And it's that kind of monument. That's a monumental story, but it's a monumental story that kind of disappeared. Um, so it, it, it's kind of parochial, but giant. That's kind of the, the, the sort of a story... Or it's, it's something that grabs the age, a sense of the time, yes. a sense of the joy or sorrow of the time. Um, that That's kind of what we're looking for. Right. Um, and if people um, out there have stories, I'm not sure there are very few stories similar to that, but stories that the thing would interest you, how how can they get in touch with you? Or? Uh, well, we have a Brumoitura, uh, is our brumoitura.org is our website. B-R-U, like brew, yes. brew, hosting place. Moitura is uh, M O Y T U R A is the mountain on which we're our scriptorium is that and .org so we're a social enterprise not for profit yes and uh, so there's there's two 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 methods so that you can give a story for the 2023 but we'd also like to invite because one of the biggest biggest part of our task is filling the gap from the last panel written to the, the renewed annals. So mm. the last annal in, in, in the tradition that we're talking about ended in 1590. Uh, so we're filling that gap, which is like a, a few decades of a job. So we're, we're, we're ultimately, and this is a sort of a beyond tip, but for now tip, mm. we're looking for uh, groups, societies, schools, uh, clubs to adopt a district, a year, or a subject matter that they will then kind of feed towards us uh, across that missing 430 years. Does that make any sense? It does indeed, and it's most interesting. And when you finish your annual for, for the year, yeah. is it stored somewhere that people can look at it, or how, yeah. how does that work? Yeah, well, uh, what, what we, we've, we completed a year and a half ago a feasibility study for the building we already have, so that's moving towards its kind of working title. It's called Living Museum of Irish Chronicles. We use the word chronicles because Annals is a bit obscure, mm. but uh, it, it, the idea is that groups certainly can come and visit and view 
the process and view how it works and that kind of thing. We can't open to the general public yet because we haven't got the infrastructure for that. Yes. Uh, so the, what, what they can see is 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 a zero size pages, which is I don't know what size that is. Big, mm, yeah, <laughs> big big pages with big big writing in beautiful calligraphy. We're starting also to illustrate them. That's a new departure, and uh, yes, they can see them in Sligo. So the uh, the HQ is in Sligo, which has been my adoptive home for 23 years, or where the, that part of the business is anyway. And we have an office in Dublin as well. It, it, it sounds just fascinating. The original chronicles and annals yeah. would, would they have been written in in Latin? Yes, Latin at the very start. Uh, I just look. I was looking up in advance of today to see the annals of Roscrae. They sort of slipped my mind that the detail. Like the first line of, of, of that is in Latin and most of the rest of it then is in uh, Irish. Yes. Um, so the Annals of Roscraig are, they go from this odd thing that four out of the main Annals of Ireland begin with the same obscure event, which is the arrival of Cesar, the notional granddaughter of Noah, arriving with 49 women on the coast of Ireland, being the first humans to be on the island, supposedly. And uh, there's uh, different messages as to whether that was in Bantry or Sligo where that landing happened. And then it goes right up to 996, I think, or 994. Uh, so that's, you know, notionally 5,000 years or something like that in, in 65 pages of the Annals of Ross Grey. Isn't it um, absolutely yeah. fascinating? <laughs> completely fascinating stuff uh, yeah. altogether. Just give yeah. me your, your, your website again, because I'm yeah. sure a lot of people, we have a lot of... Uh, Local historians here and people who will be very Brilliant, interested yeah. in in contributing. I'm sure. Yeah. So it's it's B R U Brew like Bruno Bonya, Moitura M O I T U R A. That's the name of yes. our hill. The Battle of Moitura was there and that dot org. Uh, and we we have there is a, a small charge for because we have to admin it and we have to check the facts behind whatever stated yes. for the present or the past. But we are doing a special free pre-entries for a particular thing and uh, that is uh, for 2023 we're looking for stories along a line that crosses the whole country and that line is 7 degrees uh, 7.7199 degrees west of Greenwich now that info is on the internet as well and it goes straight through Tipperary it goes straight through Conflon Mel actually does it indeed 7.7199 yeah so it's, it's, I won't go into the detail of that uh, but uh it's, it goes straight through uh, St. Oliver Plunkett's Church. Yes. It goes straight uh, straight through a few places of interest all wow. the way along the country, including St. Declan's floating stone of Ardmore, of all things. Well, uh, the the whole story is fascinating as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, Colin, yeah. we'd love to check in with you again and see what sort of information yeah. you're getting. Would that yeah, be okay? Absolutely, because we'd really love to, to, to connect folk in and uh, ongoing year on year to, yeah. to get tip info. For sure. Look after yourself, Colm, and thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. That is Colm Stapleton there uh, speaking to us about um, that project, which I think is very, very interesting. I'm sure a lot of uh, our local historians around Tipperary will want to contribute there. Uh, We'll take a break back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 
And you're welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. It's interesting. We're getting a lot of people on to us to say how much they uh, enjoyed uh, the interview with uh, Emma earlier on, who spoke to us about being on the autism uh, spectrum and how insightful, I suppose it was, and it gave us an indication of what it is like to uh, live with uh, autism. And look, I promise you, it is something we will uh, go back to again. But like yourselves, I was very, very impressed with her indeed. Right now, it is time for... Tipperary Women in Business on Tip FM. Funded by Commission Naman with the television licence fee. Now, Tipperary Women in Business will celebrate the achievements of Tipperary Women in Business, promoting equality and inspire future female leaders to pursue their goals regardless of gender. We'll broadcast a weekly series uh, with women involved in Tipperary Business community who will share stories, I suppose, and insights and strategies for overcoming various uh, obstacles. Our very first guest is Catherine Ryan, and Catherine is founder and CEO of Ryan Marketing Solutions, and as well as that, she is Chair of South Tipperary Women in Business. Catherine, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Fran. Good morning to you. Uh, you were telling me off air that even though you're involved in marketing and all of that, this is your first time doing a radio interview. Yeah, it? it is. Yeah, I encourage all my clients and stuff to do it. But for me, I suppose I've naturally grown my company um, through referrals and all that. Um, I'm very successful in it, but I've never really took on to the air myself. If people know me, they know I can talk forever. <laughs> I stand in front of people all the time um, in groups, but coming on air is something new for me. So well, I'm, I'm very grateful to try something new in 2024. Well, we're delighted to chat to you today. Would you tell me about you? Yeah, so I suppose I am I'm I'm the owner and CEO of Ryan Marketing Solutions, but I suppose I've always worked in business and I suppose I started off um years ago I've been brought up an entrepreneurial father. Um he had his own business for years. Um, and I suppose so I got into the realm of business quite young. I think I even my mother even um at one stage I knew I was I was going to trade shows with him. I was hiding in the back of the car, but I think my mother—I thought my mother didn't know, but I think she did, anyways. But he gave me the skills, and I suppose, especially around the area sales. Um, and then every time I grew up, I knew I wanted to go in business. I say I lost a few um, job interviews as well when they ask you what you what are your goals in five years. I was like, have my company, but sure, then so I did. So really early on, you knew that yeah, you wanted I knew your exactly. own business. Yeah, exactly. It came. It really stemmed from him um, and stuff. And I suppose, um, I like a lot of people. Um, when everyone says to me oh do you still work with your father I suppose he was stemmed to me but we made a decision earlier on that um, we wouldn't professionally cross the boundaries because we wa- we preferred our relationship um, over course, our business because yes. it get quite um, I suppose complicated but yeah he's he's the one driver a lot as long with all my family they're the one driver behind me and um, early on in the time did he ever say to you or did any of the family say to you oh well you know it's going to be harder now for a young woman to do I, it and- no I suppose my mum, one good advice she gave me was like, go in and get your experience first. Mm. So I worked for companies for years and I got through amazing experience. I then started, but at the end of the day, if I ever need anything, they're there right behind me, especially um, like, especially especially my dad, but my mum's very good when it comes to um, the trickier things and the everything, mm. but no, look, I have a great support and I wouldn't be here without the support of my family and friends. And was it always marketing that interested you? No, Catherine? actually, when I was growing up, I wanted to be an accountant. 
did you? Yeah, yeah. and then I realised I studied it obviously because I did an undergrad in business. Then I realised all the exams, um, so I stopped that. But actually, in my third year of college, I did a placement and I decided to do in marketing, and then I streamed in it. And then from there, I did a master marketing diplomas all the time, then to upskill from it. So once I did my placement, I really truly knew what I wanted, and it was marketing. And do you know, for a lot of people, I think there's great confusion as to what exactly marketing is. Yeah, and I suppose that's one of the main reasons why I started Vine Marketing Solutions um, is the fact that people think marketing is sales mm. and it's not. So marketing is all the social media websites. It's to drive people to your business to make the sale. So if you have a website, for example, e-commerce, it drives the traffic to that website and the sale is done automatically if they purchase. Whereas, say, if you were a big, um, I suppose, B2B company, sometimes it's sold for sales reps. So it drives the lead, the call, the contact form to the sales reps and it's their job to make the sales. So it's not actually marketing is not totally sales. It helps, Mm. but it's not that component. So the challenge I have each day is when people come to me, oh, you're going to give me loads of sales. And I was like, no, I'm going to give you loads of leads. I'm going to help you grow your business. And of course, without marketing, you can't have sales or that jazz, but it, it, they are two separate things. And is it sometimes seen that marketing is a little bit frivolous in, 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 in some way, that it's not serious business? Yeah, I suppose the difference in the way I work is I'm very strategic. So whenever a client comes to me, first of all, I have a consultation call, which is free with them. But then from there, I sit down and goes, what is your goals? Mm. Where do you want to get the company? Do you want to stay where you're at? Do you want to go by 40%? Is that what you want to do? And from that is a lot of people who don't realise as I work backwards, then your marketing helps you do this. Yes. Rather than, you know, you're posting on social media, you're doing an email, but it's not talking to your customer, you're not understanding your customer. Um, it's not having the right message put across. And I suppose that's why we are so successful in what we do is we spend the time to get to know individual companies. And I'm personally involved within every client that I have. So if there's every initiative they call me directly and I solve it. So um, I suppose that's why our slogan is solving problems and building brands. Marketing, there's so much to it. It's not just one social media post. It's not just having a website. There's so much involved in it. And I suppose I'm really, really passionate about it. So I get really passionate and about it. There's so much involved. Now, I mean, when I started out, I mean, basically you went to the local press or the national press or you went to the local radio or the yeah. national radio yeah. and sort of, you know, other than word of mouth and then maybe a logo, that was marketing, really. Yeah. But now, I mean, with all of the crazy. various platforms there and the influencers and all of this, you know. Yeah, it's really crazy. And I suppose people keep forgetting that, like, radio, like, on here, your word of mouth, everything like that is so important. So digital, obviously, is a huge component. So you can track digital. You can't really track radio. You can't track newspapers. But they're never going anywhere. And I suppose that's why I try and teach clients is that, yes, you can have loads of followers on Instagram, but are you actually getting sales from it? Is your engagement rate correct? Um, so is your community actually involved in you? So it there's a lot to it, and that's why a lot of people will come to me and say, I have no clue, Catherine. And I'm like, that's okay. Um, I was like, why marketing solutions will either help you, educate you to do it all yourself, or you can outsource it all to us. So there's a lot of different components to it. Mm. Um, I always find that 
people in business should know what's going on in their business. They should know the basics when it comes to marketing. So they know, right, this is working, this is not. And a lot of people just want to have that accountability. So they give me that call going, so-and-so rang me and he wants me to do a newspaper ad. And I was like, right, okay, so is your target audience in that newspaper? If it is, right, what are the costings? is it really going to reach your end goal for your business? So we have that conversation. And after a time, is they're able to really, really understand what way I work and from it, they, and they get the results. Like I have clients that are billion dollar businesses and I also have the sole trader that's just starting off. Such a wide variety. But in the end, it's got to do with knowing who your audience is. Question I was dying to ask you yeah. because I'm kind of suspicious of it. The role of the influencer now, Catherine, oh. is, is that as important as it appears to be? Or So I suppose you have to remember customers buy from people. So customers buy from a, a person. So influencers have its place. Um, it used to be very more beneficial years and years ago. And it's not the people that have two million followers you should work out for. It's actually the people that I call the micro-influencers. It's the ones that have 3,000, 5,000, 7,000 followers. They actually have such a brilliant community. You're, it, and their engagement rate is crazy. That like is you that can because make, it's a focused community? It's then, a focused niche okay. person. So marketing right. is going to be more niched, and they, then people really, really, and they're authentic and they really are. So every time a client comes to me and goes, I want to go with influencer, I was like, okay, let's do our due diligence. Let's see what weights engagement rate. Let's see how many interactions they have. Let's see how many clicks they would get. From that, then you work forward years ago if you just if any influencer put up a post they made sales instagram social media has completely changed people buy from people so if that person they know that person isn't authentic they're not going to buy from them so it's really about community now when that's, it comes that's, to that's very interesting so it's not necessarily about the millions of followers oh no definitely else. not um wow. and look sometimes they are great something there's not but there's a lot more to so i nearly prefer clients to have an organic social media strategy in place and influence be part of that but not solely focused on that one one of the things you said in some of the blurb that I've been reading is that you're continuous in terms of upskilling. Now, I would imagine, particularly in the business you're in, I mean, it seems to change from day to day, doesn't it? Yeah, it's very, very, uh, it's challenging sometimes. But then I absolutely love it. I wouldn't change for the world. So I suppose with that is like, there's a lot of different upskilling things. So, for so example, the local enterprise office does brilliant um day courses or hourly courses and I'm actually mentoring stuff with them as well so I train people with it um, and I suppose then there's also like I'm also a mentor um, on different different programs uh, for different students and stuff um, so from and I'm always doing webinars I'm always doing courses I'm always attending events and I suppose that's why I encourage um, when I am the chair of the South Tip Women in Business when I am members of other networks um, I always say you can never stop upskilling. If you stop upskilling, your company is going to die off. So I'm really an advocate for it. Everyone can learn. So if I make a mistake with a client, I accept responsibility. I say, right, we won't do that again. I'll learn from it and move on. I don't think I'm the best at marketing. I don't think I'm the best of anything, but I know I'm really, really good. I value my time and I respect every client and every client nearly business nearly comes my own. Mm. I get so heavily a part of it. And I suppose that's what makes us different is that we really get to know 
the owners, we really get to know the staff and we really get heavily involved in the company so that we know that's going to be success. Because a lot of people forget that like digital itself, whether it's technology, whether it's everything, has a huge component to it. And a lot of people just aren't as savvy and I'm a very savvy person. So if someone's having an issue with their phone, they know they can call me and I can help them as well as grow their company through marketing. It's very interesting. I always think that if something is organic, though, it can be so powerful. And I suppose in relatively recent years, the Specsavers one, you know, oh, you know, got to go to Specsavers. I, I presume from a marketing point of view, if you can get something like that, that becomes part of our, our daily conversation, you, you're really winning, aren't you? Yeah, so marketing and then there's obviously branding. So yes. branding is kind of similar to that. So they're two different, they're part of together, but they work separately. So branding is your logo, it's the visual look, it's it's what the colours you use in mm. your logos and stuff. The catchphrase. Yeah, the, yeah, and all that. So that's all branding. It's so important. But you can do rebranding. So like I, my Mac Solution itself doesn't do branding, but I have amazing partners that I do with all the time with. So what they do, they're expert in that. And then I am expert in marketing. So we team up. So you have to really think about it. your colours represent meaning. So if anyone ever looked up my marketing solutions, they would see bright, colourful bubbliness because that's me as a person and that's my company. So I represented who I want to be and what the company is in my logo and that's why it is whereas others just think if they do a nice little logo on Canva that it's brilliant sometimes it's not there's a lot of meaning behind branding and that's why Specsavers and like a Coca-Cola and all these do brilliantly because they know who their audience is they know the message they want to portray and they know their brand it's very interesting um being a woman in business has it particular difficulties Catherine yeah, I suppose um, for anyone who would know me is that I've grown up um, in many different industries and stuff and I actually started, my my most amount of experience was actually in a male-dominated industry, was agriculture. And I suppose I learned quite quickly on how challenging it can be. But also from that then is because I've had that experience, that's why I'm chairperson of the South Tip Women Business. That's why I'm part of other networks, both men, men and fe- like both female dominated and then obviously men and women and other ones um, because they bring everything different. I have the challenge each and every day like that men do sometimes uh, have a different approach to business. So do women. But I suppose it is a little bit challenging when it comes to if you are a woman in a male dominated industry that it takes a bit of time for people to build that trust. And I have that trust now with a lot of mm. industries because I'm in it so long. And I suppose that's why I support others, women in business. And I suppose that's where it comes to the term of women in business. Women is such a powerful word, a word when it comes to things. And I suppose that's why just while we're on, I suppose, on the word of women in business, I just want to say to your listeners, Fran, is that, look, we all know that there's referendums coming up mm. um, in in March the 8th, which is actually International Women's Day. And that's very powerful in itself, that International Women's Day actually is to show the power that women have. And I suppose it's just to say that, look, the women in society have their have a huge place. And there's three words in the referendum or in the constitution that's there right now is home, women, and, and I suppose mother. And it's very important that no matter what, whether you're a woman in business or a man in business, everyone has their place. Whether you, Whoever you identify as, you all have a place here. And I suppose it's just to remember that when you think about this referendum, is think about does this represent Ireland in the best in society? Down and have you concerns about 
the, the, the word woman being cast aside in some way. So my view is that woman has its place, man has its place, whoever you identify has mm. a place. So I think the constitution should include everyone. And right. I suppose it's just to remember that if you don't understand what's happening in this referendum, educate yourself and be very, very sure that whatever you know is to vote correctly. So I know for myself what I'm going to vote and I'm going to vote no because I'm educating myself on it. But that doesn't mean you, mm. you, you're the you're same view as me. So it's really important right. for you And to is educate. that specifically because the, the word woman will be taken out? Is, is that...? I suppose it's just no. It's got to do with the fact that there is no clear definition of the new words that are going to be put in. Mm. So it's not the word woman is going to be taken out, it's the fact that it's not it's the people that are coming out, the government's coming out, and then we're not clear direction of what this new mm. word is. Well, I suppose they mean. would say to you it's early days and, you know, yeah, information will be made. Yeah, that's fine. All I'm saying is I'm not trying to sway anyone either way. Yeah, All yeah, I'm saying is yeah. educate yourself. It's so and important. That's, and that's fair and enough as well, yeah. Especially the word of women, yeah. Um, in in term, have you been patronised by men in the business? Oh yeah, I've been looked down. <laughs> you for, didn't even have to think about that. No, did you? <laughs> I've been looked down at and everything. Um, have you? I, yeah, like, and you have to remember is, Fran is, if you look at me now, you know, no one can see me here, but I look quite young. Um, when I walk into a lot of networks, I walk into big corporations. I do look down on because people think I'm 21. I'm not 21. I'm 29. Yeah. I'm well established in the industry, and I always know how to work around it. So I always remove, I suppose, that that biases. I I remove it all and say. Give me a chance. Yeah. If I don't prove myself, we'll walk away and I wish you all the best. Um, and I suppose having that mindset is I know I'm good at what I do. I'm very passionate about what I do. I'm very determined about what I do. And I want to be the advocate for other women in business to know that no matter what age you are, no matter what stage in life you're at, you can succeed if you're the right support, if you're the right mindset. And always just, even if you want a cup of tea, give me a call. I'm more than happy to go for coffee as well. And there, there's a woman friend of mine who says that, I mean, her belief is that women have to work twice as hard as men to achieve the same thing. W- would you go along with that? Um, I just, It depends. I think it's got to do with obviously the industry that you're in, but I also believe that I think the change in industries have uh, have come around and I suppose if you can prove yourself, if you have a track record, you, you you don't need to. Like I know is how I represent. Men are always like that handshake. So when I deal with clients, sometimes it's traveling that three hours to give that handshake and that client will become um, a client for, for years. Something as simple as that. Something simple as that. Wow. People are very old school. Men are very old school when it comes to it. But also it means that some aren't. But um, I would say you have to work harder for sure in some industries and I work harder all the time. So I never think I'm better than anyone else. I never think I'm better than any man, woman, anyone that comes Mm. near me. I Mm. treat everyone the way that I want to be treated, both personally and professionally. And I suppose that's why a lot of clients are with me is because... Who I talk to, who I talk to you now, right, Fran? Uh, right now, Fran, I talk to them the exact same way. Right. Um, I'm a very. This is you. This is your me, and that's yes. why my marketing solutions is there, and it's truly who I am as a person, and also it's to support loads of businesses. I don't have one clientele that's oh I only work with these. The only thing I say to people is is that if they come to me, is have a bit of a growth mindset. 
have a bit of determination to grow your company and trust the process trust in me that i'm going to grow and it's not something you'll get quick wins but you'll also get long-term wins is that quick results sometimes doesn't lead to long mm. longness in your company so it's just for yourself to really truly know what you want and just come with an open mind sounds to very women in business how effective is that it's very effective in different ways so i suppose it's it's challenging for 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 women in business as we kind of in sometimes because they don't get the same level of support. Whereas South Tip Women in Business is I found is it's a great group of women. They're fabulous. There's any mix of everything. There's young, old, indifferent, whatever it is, whoever you identify as, we can include you all. And I suppose it's part of the fact that we want to encourage others and educate them and skill them. So like I'm only the chair this year, um, and I suppose I'm I am quite young uh, for it but I know that it's the atmosphere in the group it's having that once a month meeting and when you go away you can go away with a new skill learned or a new opportunity and you know that you have 30, 40, 50 women that are there call them and they'll help you and in the end is no matter what people say and I'm an advocate for, for marketing and everything like that but Having someone referring you is going to be drive your business forward than anything else. Word of mouth is still the best conversion platform that will ever do. And from having been part Mm. of a network like that is that you can do that. I know someone that does nails. I know someone that does wellness. I know someone, you know, that I can buy property off. I know someone that can do marketing, whatever it is. We're there, and if we don't, we have someone that would. And just finally, Catherine, and briefly, if you would, Ryan, uh, Marketing Solutions, where are you going now? Is it a case of world domination is on the way? <laughs> um, I suppose it can be. So I'm, I was, I'm. look, I've, I, over the years, my marketing system, I set it up for many awards, um, and I suppose we were asked to go to a massive conference um, in Dubai this year to take over the world, you may say. Yeah. Um, but I suppose... Um, we do have international clients already, but Ireland is my home. It's what I love. It's who I truly will always be here. So uh, domination, domination will keep going in Ireland with a few internationalists right now. But I suppose my goal for 2024 is to just be there for more and more businesses and give them the support they need to drive them forward. Having that accountability person, having that confidence push all the time. If you're having a bad day, you can give me a call and I'll push you forward. And that's the goal for Ryan Market Solutions is to help people in many aspects of industry whoever you are um, even if it's just like I said you just need half an hour conversation to know to structure yourself I'm here for that and we offer it for your charge Well if I had a business I'd be calling you up that's for sure Catherine it was a real pleasure you're a fantastic guest and uh, we wish you the very best Thanks, thanks, so much, thanks for fun. talking to me today Thank you We'll take a break We're back with more in just a moment Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience with over 50 years. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Tipperary man uh, Mike Rosney from Ross Grey appeared on the popular dating show First Date Ireland last uh, Thursday. The sporty Garda was paired with the half-Turkish retail manager, the lovely Yasmin. And Mike joins me now. Mike, good morning to you. How are things? Uh, things are very well indeed, Mike, and uh, great to have you on the programme today. Will you tell me about the experience of first dates? Why did you get involved in the first place, Mike? Oh, well, I suppose it was 
uh, seen it advertised on online, you know, yourself when you're going through social media, you see all these adverts and different things. And I says, here, I'll, I'll, I'll try, I'll try four states and and see how things go. You know, you never know. I could, could have met the, the love of my life. Yeah. <laughs> but, and uh, and no, so and you just decided it like that. And has it been a while since you were in a relationship, Mike, or what? I would have been. Yeah. yeah. Like I'd be twenty-seven now. I was 26 at the time of recording the, the, the show, but, um, yeah, no, I say, I just, I suppose, had a look and, and I said, I might as well try, try my hand at it and, and see. And of course, there's a, there's, there, there's a, there's a nice buzz off being on TV as well, do you know? I, su- I suppose, but you're a fine cut of a fella, for God's sake, and a sporty Cheers, fella. So, I so, try on you. <laughs> so you wouldn't have any problem I would imagine going out there and getting dates and stuff would you? I, I, no no surprisingly enough you know I don't I don't blame you know women being cautious nowadays as well yeah. um, I suppose with, with social media and the likes of dating apps and stuff you know safety out there is, is paramount uh, for, for, for females and males of course as well you know yes. um, but uh, there's there, it's, it, it's much better meet that girl in person, you know, rather than I suppose on, on, from a from a dating app, you know. I suppose it's a, a difficult world out there, that's for sure. So anyway, you got to meet the lovely Yasmin. How did you get teamed up with her in particular? How does that work, Mike? So what happens is you're teamed up, so you're recording, there's two days recording. There's the pre-recording, which would be kind of when you're sitting in the green room on your own mm. with the, you know, the back screen and, and things like that with, with, on the show and they ask you different uh, questions and and profile you. Um, after that, then the 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 match to try and match you with the best female. So the the female side would also be profiled. Yes. Um, based on, and then based on what you tell them, then it's it's up to it's up to them. Mm. It's up to them then how what they think. So in the restaurant then, when uh, when you met uh, Yasmin, I mean she's she's a beautiful woman. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. I, I, there was no, there was no doubt about it. As soon as I seen her, she was, she was an absolute stunner. And when, when, when we find out a little bit more about each other, we, we really, we really hit it off. Yeah. Just unfortunately, unfortunately, it didn't work out with with distance. Um, that was the main thing, you know. Um, but uh, we still keep in touch uh, from time to time, and it's it's nice, you know, around Christmas time or you know, different occasions that you'd see maybe that she'd share online or that I'd share, you know, we'd wish each other well or, you know, the best of luck and things like that. So, as I say, things didn't end badly or anything like that. And, and, and uh, as I say, I wish her well and she's she's, she's a great girl. And, and was it only when the programme came out that you realised that when she made a phone call to a friend, she said at that time that you weren't exactly her type. So, I, I actually didn't know. I didn't did even you? know that she was on the phone in the toilet at the time. When I seen the show the other night, I was shocked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously when she did slip out to, to, to use the, the, the loo, I was wondering, all right, there was, there was an extended period of time where I was on my own and the cameras weren't recording. So I was like... What's right. going on here? Has she has she bailed out on me? <laughs> <laughs> and how did you feel about that? That she said, "Well, look, maybe he's not my type." Or look, know. everybody is. I don't mind, friend. You know that kind yeah. of way. Everyone, everyone has a type. But at the same time, it's it's what it was. It can be cheesy about it, and we can we can we, we can say it's what's inside that counts as well as as on the outside. You know. Beauty, skin deep, and and all that. Yeah, but, but once uh, she came back, she obviously changed her mind because she agreed to go out with you again, didn't she? 
Oh, absolutely. We went in multiple dates after yeah. that. Um, yeah. It was, which was, you know, I suppose my my personality won her over, which was which was uh, nice to nice yeah. to nice to, to reassure and to, to know. Yeah, and uh, what what was it about? I mean, as we alluded to, she's a beautiful looking woman. But I mean, what else did you find attractive about her? Well, bar as I say, bar the looks, you know, when when you speak to her, we had a lot in common. She she's quite she was quite active as well, you know. She does she does a lot of running and she keeps yeah. fit. And then we were able to kind of meet on common ground in terms of, you know, there was different fitness journeys that she came along, as you've seen on on newspapers and yeah. what she described on on air. You know, um, it was it was a great it was a great journey, and and she 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 is definitely somebody that bring the best out in somebody because of her motivation. She mm. she's tried and tested and and come back out the other end, and uh, she's as she says herself, she's much more positive now. And just for people who do, who didn't see the program, I mean, she lost what was the six stones she lost, Mike? I think. She did, yeah. yeah. She was unhappy, in a she she put on a dress. She told me uh, on an, on a, for a night out, and she just when she seen herself in the picture, she actually realised that it it wasn't where she wanted to be. So she she went said about her fitness journey. Like so that I was I was a few years ago. I was a on the heavy side myself and wasn't into fitness and wasn't mm. into the gym and different things like that. And when you start seeing results you start getting even more motivated and, and that's mm. where, where I see where I get the love and the buzz for, for the gym as well, you know. So you had a lot in common then? For sure, for sure. Yeah. And I, again that was that was something that we were able to talk about. You know, everything wasn't covered on the T V show and I suppose that was the disappointing part that we didn't even we didn't get as much maybe on on on, on the T V that, that that some other couples did, um, which was quite co- which was disappointing, obviously being quite honest. But at the same time, it was it was an enjoyable experience, and at yeah, the same time, and a lot it, of people it, have said that to me, Mike, who have been part of programs like this, that you really don't know how they're going to edit a show either. Uh, you know, in terms of what they pick and choose from your conversations and the like. Exactly, and um, myself and your husband were saying that. I wonder how they're going to depict us and and how we're going to be. You know, how we're going to get on 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 the show, or what are they going to pick up on? that that mm. could have been classed as comedy or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but luckily enough we were the, we were we were we were conveyed very well, which was which was nice. But at the same time we, we didn't get we didn't get the same coverage maybe that the other couples did uh, to, to to really show, you know, how well we got on and how much of a have a good time we had and, and you know And, and the, what do you put, put that down to is it because I, I didn't see it in its entirety but were some of the other couples more outrageous maybe and more out there is that is that some... Maybe we could we, we could describe it as maybe more outrageous in terms of what was said you know yes. but at the same time you're going to you're going to remember somebody that says something a little bit more outrageous of course and, of course and, yes. and uh, maybe maybe for good reasons but sometimes bad too you know if you you, you don't use the right language and you, uh, and to, to to show how you know nice of a person you are and maybe it could be you know a little bit of ignorance as well along the way of course, you know yeah it's, it's most interesting but it it is a sign of the times mike that as i say somebody, somebody like yourself i mean a good job and stuff and all of that look looking fine and it it, it can be hard, hard enough to find the right person yeah like every 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 day you know your 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 time is taken up differently yeah. you know yeah even in even on your days off you 
you like to you like to make plans and that with mm. with friends, family, and and I suppose that's that's something that's vital is 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 family, you know, and and keeping keeping mm. in, in connected with them as well. Um, and what what about socialising, Mike? I mean, when you go out now, do you go to clubs, for example? Do you go to? To be funny, honest, friend, I I go very little. Like I, I myself, I'm a, I'm a I'm a proud cheese hostler. I never I never drank in my life and, wow. and things like yeah. that. But, yeah. And I don't don't drink, don't smoke, and just just kind of as I say, I enjoy playing some golf and enjoy the Formula One and 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 just general sport. You know, yeah. I I get I get a better buzz out of. You know, spending spending my money on going to see maybe a, a match or going like last year, I went for the first time to a Formula One event. You know, and yeah, that, that's yeah. something that's something I value much more. I went on my own actually to that. Did but, you? Yeah, yeah. I was a like I, I flew over. I was actually it was to the Netherlands, the Zandvoort GP, hmm. and uh, I suppose I, obviously being single, I know how to go with. So I, I said, and not that many of my friends would be into Formula One. So. I said I'd go over my own and, and, and being that independent bloke, I suppose, I just took the punt and, and uh, it was a great time. But, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, mm. if there was a female, you know, in, in my life that, that w- would come with me by by all means, it'd be great, you know. But Cheney, Mike, I, I think I'd we're going to be queue of people here if, if this keeps up looking, look, <laughs> looking for you. Well, well, there you go. Look, at the, the TV <laughs> is out there now, anyways. They know I'm, yeah. they know I'm single again, anyways, as the fella says, is <laughs> Yeah. More than welcome to, to, I'm sure they'll find me on social media. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. Sure, it might work out with uh, Yasmin in the end. You never know the way these things go, I suppose. There you go. Life could go full circle. But at the same time, we have to keep our options open, Fran. As I say, I'm only 27. So yeah. Ash, to... look, you have all the time in the world, man. You have all the now time. Now you have it. Yeah. Now you have it. It was a real pleasure to talk to you today. And we wish you well for the future, Mike. That's great, friend. Look, right. appreciate it and appreciate coming on air and, and just want to say hello to all the, my friends and family back home in, in Rossbury. As I say, I'm living, living in Nace now in Kildare. So as yeah. say, their friends and family back home are just as important as anybody, you know. And yeah. a big shout out. I'm sure my parents are listening in this morning as well. And as I say, they mean, they mean the words of me being an only child and, and, you know, they give me a great childhood. And, and I just want to say hello to them as well. What a lovely thing to say. Mike, you look after yourself, and thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Good stuff, friend. Good morning. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Mike Rossi. He sounds like a fantastic fellow altogether. Wouldn't you imagine there'd be a queue of young women uh, looking to uh, to be with uh, Mike? But there you go. Anyway, uh, that's it for me. Leanne produced Ali, looks after our content. Stevens is on the way with the Time Tunnel, and I will talk to you tomorrow. You look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Here's maintaining Peugeot cars and vans. We like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie